Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's going on, everyone? I hope you had a great weekend. I hope all the dads out there had a fantastic Father's Day. But it's back to the grind on Monday afternoon here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us. Andrew Patterson along with Michael Remus. And my God, a huge weekend for sports. Trots Watch continues. Uh, so we've got a packed show today for you here on WST. Uh, I know many of you are golf fans like me. What a weekend out at uh, the Country Club at Brookline, Massachusetts for the U.S. Open. The Z-Man, Mark Sacchino, is going to jump on with us towards the end of the program. We'll discuss Matty Fitzpatrick's first ever major win and first win on North American soil, as well as what he's hearing about the next wave of PJ Tour players busting out for the Live Golf Tour. Uh, but, of course, the main stories today on the program will be the National Hockey League, the Stanley Cup Final, and the Jets' pursuit of Barry Trotz. Dave Poulin's going to join us first up on the program Always love having Dave to uh, talk about everything going on around the National Hockey League. And then Jeff Hamilton, um, smack dab in the middle, going to jump on. We'll talk about the Bombers' big win to get to 2-0, as well as what he's hearing on the Winnipeg Jets situation when it comes to the coaching search. Uh, all of that and much, much more. Don't forget, stick around. We'll have our picks at the end of the show for Assiniboia Downs, and you'll also have a chance to get in your winner for Race 6 tonight. And at that point, we'll, um, well, at the end of the week, actually, we'll uh, tab tabulate up all the uh, top winners, pick a couple of other random entries as well, and invite you all out with a guest to join us for that amazing prime rib buffet and a night of racing out at Assiniboia Downs. A big thanks to all the sponsors that make this show happen, including Assiniboia Downs, Aikens Lake, Wallace & Wallace, F Apparel, Vita Health Fresh Market, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Breezy Bend, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Canadian Club, Cool Bet Canada, and of course, Boston Pizza. And just a quick note, I'll maybe touch on this later on in the program, but tonight, Blue Jays viewing party, special Blue Jays viewing party over at Boston Pizza Polo Park. I went to this one when they did it last year when it was sort of welcoming the Jays back to Canada when they finally were able to play at home. Some really great giveaways. Uh, there's some free food, some free beverages, Tons of giveaways. Everyone gets a Blue Jays cap on arrival, and you could also win a signed baller jersey. What you do want to do, uh, book a table. Reservations only for this one. So see if there's still room. 204-925-4107. That is tonight. First pitch at 7 p.m. over at Boston Pizza Polo Park. Let's get Remus in here. Remo, how was the weekend? You managed to uh, stay cool? What a crazy heater we had yesterday. It's been a long time coming. Oh, man. I'm not going to complain. I know uh, we were bitching. I was cold as winter ever, but here we are for June, and it's 37 degrees. Um, I, my joke has been, you know, Winnipeg, you can't go outside in the winter, can't go outside in the summer. Thankfully, <laughs> uh, my AC has been working. You know, if you know someone with your with a pool, consider yourself lucky, or you can get out to the lake. But, yeah, it was a, it was a hot one yesterday. It was hot. Well, it was. I was actually – I was out on – Trot's watch on location all weekend, thinking that, you know, maybe, of course, you know, many of the reports that we'd had sort of on Thursday and Friday indicated that there may be something happening this weekend between the Winnipeg Jets and Barry Trotz. That, of course, was then updated that it's been pushed back to happening this week. We'll get to those comments from the insiders. So we'll play them for you in a minute. 
but it did have a chance to go with a couple uh, real close friends out to Clear Lake. Um, had a great time, watched the Bomber game. Well, actually listened to part of the Bomber game on the drive out on Friday. Showed it to Derek Taylor, sounding great on CGOB, filling those size 22s of uh, the great Bob Irving. Um, and then managed to watch the end of the game and, you know, the second half of the game and saw the Bombers pull out another win, uh, which was great. And then got a chance to check out Clear Lake Golf Course, which was nice. Got out on the lake yesterday a little bit and, oh, my God, it was hot. But it's so weird because it was as hot as it's been around these parts in a long, long time. And yet the water is still absolutely ice cold because of how cold the spring has been. So, uh Anyways, you get crank up the AC. We're back. She looks like it's going to be a pretty darn nice week uh, here in the city of Winnipeg. But weather aside, Remo, um, obviously the trot story continues to dominate much of the uh, much of the the oxygen, if you will, amongst the sports conversations. And as I said, I was out there. I told you I was on call. If something happens, we could have just ripped up to Dauphin. See if there was any celebrations on Barry Trot's way up there in Dauphin. But uh, from the sounds like it, it's pretty much status quo as to where we were when we left on Friday, knowing Barry Trotz and the Winnipeg Jets are going to be meeting together. Other NHL jobs seem to be being filled, um, but far from a sure thing that the, the Jets are going to get their guy. Just shaping up for what's going to be another very interesting week as we continue the vigil known as trots watch here on wst yeah this is our stanley cup playoffs Huss. the jets aren't in the playoffs and uh looks seems like trots watch is going to game seven um jay miller writes in chat you know friday we had talked about mike mcintyre's report that okay it's big weekend coming up uh they're going to be meeting decisions are going to be made and that is well someone said in chat okay how was the meeting well here's the update on the meeting it's now this week and like, Huss, did you see the weather in Winnipeg this weekend? Why would they schedule a meeting on the weekend? We're so silly for believing that they were going to meet. No one's <laughs> doing any work no. this weekend. Come on. So uh, the meeting is now this week. We do have all the quotes from uh, from the insiders. So everything we said last Friday about how big you know the weekend is going to be with the meeting, that is now this week. It's not, you know what, they just, listen, we were taking a couple days off, so Trot's Watch takes a couple days yeah. off. It's pretty simple. Uh, everyone agreed that we are going to enjoy a couple days away, watch the Bombers on Friday night, yes. have a nice Father's Day. Now it's back yeah. to work. Time to get <laughs> things done. Uh, you know, a number of comments about the trip out west. Uh, I think it was Jay Miller asking about the bugs out in Clear Lake. I can confirm that they're brutal. Um, you know, during the day and when we were on the golf course, it wasn't too, too bad because it was actually quite windy and that was welcome uh, because if you did get, put it this way, there was a premium on hitting the ball in the fairway. I'll just say that much because uh, when you get into the bush or into the trees, you didn't want to stay there too, too long. Now, a lot of people said that Barry Trotz was out in Dauphin on the weekend. I have no idea. They're, they're, WST does not have a GPS uh on the on the number one contender uh, or candidate. However, knowing that there was a chance that he was out there, knowing how popular Cooler Lake was when we were there on Saturday, I had an eagle eye on every single other group on the golf course, thinking that maybe, just maybe, a chance meeting with, uh, with Barry Trotz would take place. It didn't happen. The meeting that needs to happen is the one with Mark Jimman and Kevin Schimmel day off. And uh, from all accounts, as we just mentioned, it's been pushed back, but the Jets are going to have a chance to see what they can do with Trotz later on this week as all the other jobs seem to be getting filled. Yeah, we did have the... So last week we had Cassidy, 
and John Tortorella, Cassidy going on the full revenge tour. I mean, Barry Trotz gets fired, and he's we're on uh, until like a second month. It's been over a month. You know, he's still going to make his decision, but it's a different situation. Cassidy didn't have a contract for this year, so he got scooped up by Vegas. And now Peter DeBoer, as we had been hearing in the rumors from the insiders for so long, uh, Elliot tweeted yesterday, DeBoer to Dal. I don't know what, what uh, acronym he decided to use, but um, seemingly no surprise. So it seems like now all the jobs getting scooped up. And if you're Barry Trotz, well, where are you going to go? Are you going to go to Winnipeg? Are you going to go to Detroit? Um, it seems like Boston wants to go in a different direction. Um, Florida's kind of unclear. Maybe they stick with Brunette. I don't know why you would let him let him go. It's kind of an interesting situation there. So seems like Winnipeg or or Bust and the Jets are going trust trots or bust. They're going all all in. They're going hard. And who do they go if uh, this doesn't work out? So again, big week coming up here on the on the trots watch. Well, and, and listen, there was quite a bit of, a, of interesting content over the weekend from a number of people that are pretty dialed in in the National Hockey League, and we've got some clips, and we may as well play. This is the this is the Winnipeg Sports Talk Trots Watch Weekend in Review, and um, and this is an interesting one with Drake's, and Drake's has sort of been all over the place. I mean, I've heard him sort of walking back a little bit what he had to say on the RRP show that he couldn't see a scenario where Mark Scheifele was a Jet next year. That obviously from most of the people in the know seems to have been softened a little bit. Um, but Drager was on, and let's tee it up with this one, because this is the one fans probably might not like the most, but we've got some more recent stuff from Elliot Friedman, I think is a little bit more optimistic. But this one sort of caught me off guard, I'll be honest. Um, Drager was on the instigators with Sabres host Brian Dutz, Brian Duff and said that he doesn't believe that the Jets are the first choice. Here's what TSN's insider had to say. We're not close, uh, and that's unfortunate for the Winnipeg Jets. You know, Shovel Day off and company are in a holding pattern there. You know, Chevy has interviewed so many different candidates, so many different candidates. And I, look, I mean, if your follow-up is, well, who would be plan B? I can't even tell you. You know, I he talked to Bruce Cassidy before Bruce Cassidy, you know, obviously signed with the Vegas Golden Knights. He's interviewed Rick Tockett. He's talked to Jim Montgomery. I mean, go down the list of the guys. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Barry Trotz is staying true to word. And, and that is, his priority remains his family. He's got an elderly father in Manitoba who he's paying close attention to. Um, there are some now that are, are thinking, well, you know, Barry has taken this long and he's showing no evidence that he's just gonna wake up one morning and say, I'm going to Winnipeg. Uh, maybe he sits out the year and just focuses again on family. But if it's coaching, uh, I'm not so sure Winnipeg is his first choice. It, it's first choice according to the media in Winnipeg. You know, I'm sure that Mark Chipman, ownership of the Winnipeg Jets, would love to get their hands on Barry Trotz. All right, so interesting. Now, the one thing I'll say out of that, um, if, I mean, if Barry Trotz had another choice that he was looking at going for before Winnipeg, um, is that job still there? <laughs> I mean, he reportedly turned down seven mil from Philly. Um, was certainly in the mix and talked to a number of other teams. But Reem was, we've discussed, these these jobs are getting filled. And the Florida one was the most interesting, uh, you know, as maybe a wild card. That wasn't technically an opening in that, you know, you've got a very, very good team that had a disappointing end of the season in the playoffs. But, you know, through the 82 games of the regular season, right there with the best in the entire National Hockey League. 
And, you know, you had a, a weird situation where Quenville had to leave and you had an interim coach that came in and did a very good job. But, you know, naturally you'd think, okay, do we have the right guy? Is this who's going to be? But from all accounts, it sounds like it's more and more likely that Andrew Burnett will return. And certainly the players love playing for Andrew Burnett. So if that's off the case, Detroit's been very, very quiet, but we haven't heard a lot of connection from Trotz to Detroit. Um, it sort of does seem right now that if Barry Trotz is going to be coaching this year, and there's no guarantee that is the case, Winnipeg is going to be the spot. The question is, can the Winnipeg Jets get that done? Or does Barry Trotz, as Drager did allude to, which is certainly a very legit possibility, decide to just take Lou Lamorello's money for a year and not coach? Yeah, those Drager comments were from Friday, like right after the show, right after we had heard about this meeting, that there was mutual interest. So I see a lot of uh, comments in chat, um, you know, just responding to that. And I will say, I don't think, um, you know, any Winnipeg media have said that, you know, Winnipeg is Barry Trotz's first choice. I think it's just been hope that because that he's from here, he'd want to come here. As we all know, as we all know how difficult it is to convince free agents to come to Winnipeg, right? <laughs> we all know. We've heard that before. So you'd hope a guy who's, you know, from the area would be more likely to come here than a guy uh, who wasn't. Yeah, the one thing that T. Will said, I guess Trotz is booking a second interview so he can tell the Jets he wants to take the job to their face. I don't know. There's no way uh, I think there's enough respect between the sides having talked already with everything that's been going on. The fact that the Jets have still pretty much stayed entrenched that their number one guy is Barry Trotz and they're hoping to get it done. If they've been told or if there was any inkling that this was a waste of their time and they should move on, I would imagine that would have been said. So, as I said, nothing is uh, nothing's concrete, nothing's confirmed, other than if you believe what we're hearing from so many of the insiders, and we'll get to this right away, there still is going to be talks between these parts, and uh, it'll probably happen this week. Let's get back to the insider trading on Friday. Um, this is the second clip we've got that uh, the teams are getting closer to some sort of a decision. He is getting a little closer. What we're told is that Barry Trotz, uh, his intention is to make his decision on his NHL future around July 1st, and he's indicated that to a few teams. Now, we know, of course, we reported before that he's interviewed with the Winnipeg Jets. He's interviewed with the Detroit Red Wings, among other clubs, for the head coaching jobs. But we're also told that he has chatted with his old NHL club, the Nashville Predators, about a potential management role with the organization, which has always kind of been rumored about Barry Trotz, but it's interesting that that's yet another option for Barry Trotz, potentially. Well, management position is something that Barry Trotz has been interested in for quite a while now. However, it is important to note that he is going to continue to talk to teams about coaching and is expected to meet again with the Winnipeg Jets next week. So we'll see where that goes. All right. The, the one thing I'll say about the Nashville opportunity is interesting. Um, you know, we can talk about all the connections that Barry Trotz has to this, you know, geographical area and this province, the city of Winnipeg and Dauphin and Manitoba. I mean, he's got roots in Nashville, um, maintains a home in Nashville. I know there was a house purchase that got a lot of people talking about uh, earlier on. And the fact of the matter is John Hines in that group is being brought back, but I'm not sure that there's any guarantee that Heinz is going to be there long term and if things don't go well and Barry Trotz is in the management group I guess I could foresee a possibility where he ends back up on the bench with the Nashville Predators if he goes that direction but as I said Winnipeg's still very much in this Elliot Friedman had quite a bit of content throughout the weekend let's get to Elliot um, here's a quick coaching update Saturday during game two of the Stanley Cup final 
Well, Barry Trotz is going to meet with Winnipeg next week, and we're expecting some clarity in some other situations. First of all, Edmonton, Jay Woodcroft, they're working towards it's expected it's going to get there. Dallas, if it's Peter DeBoer, I think we're going to know in the next couple of days. And also Florida, there seems to be some optimism that that's going to work out with Andrew Burnett, but we'll see for sure. All right, so so that was a quick hitter um, during the Stanley Cup final. Elliot then hooked up with Jeff Marin on the 32 Thoughts podcast and expanded uh, more on that and discussed this huge meeting and what is at stake for Winnipeg when they get together with Barry Trotz at some point expected this week. Well, he's going into Winnipeg next week, and that's going to be a huge meeting. You know, if I was the Jets, I would kidnap him. <laughs> It seems like every business in Manitoba is essentially demonstrating he'll never have to pay for anything so long as he shall live, as long as he takes this job. Or what I would do is I would say to Barry Trotz, he could get into a room and then I would bring in Chris Walby and I would bring in Doug Brown and I would bring in all the biggest and baddest current and former Winnipeg Blue Bombers or the biggest people in Winnipeg and say, Barry, you want to get out of here without a signed contract? You have to go through them. Uh, even in his 60s, Walby's still in term intimidating. Oh, yeah. He's a big, big man. I like Chris. Yeah. But that's the thing. I would say you're not getting out of here until you get a deal, until we have a deal. All right. So <laughs> there is Elliot's take on it. And um, I'm not sure whether oh, – listen, Bluto would be down. Uh, I can tell you, we just need to get him a couple extra racks of uh, Little Brown Jug, and I think he'd be more than happy to help out with that situation. Although I'm not sure that's really the way that they are going to get things done. Uh, but it does speak to a level of urgency, both time-wise, um, as well as getting their guy. Now, Elliot did finish off, and this will be our final quit, uh, final clip, excuse me. Uh, Friedman did, and this again from 32 Thoughts, say things in his perspective are looking better for the Jets right now. So all of a sudden you're thinking, you're looking at this and you're playing process of elimination. You're thinking, okay, it's us, maybe Detroit, maybe he takes the year off, or maybe he goes into Nashville's front office. But if he wants to coach, it's looking much more optimistic this week than last week for the Jets. I don't care what smoke signals the Jets are sending out. I think Barry Trotz knows that if he wants to coach in Winnipeg, he's going to have a comfortable situation that they are going to say, Barry, mm -hmm. what do you need? And we'll make it work. All right. So there's the, the final clip from Elliot Friedman. And the one thing I'll say to that is the fact that they're circling back. I have a feeling that many of those things that were put that Elliot just mentioned were probably somewhat put on the table beforehand. I mean, certainly the intentions that, you know, he is their guy, they want to have them, they have him here, they think that he can be the solution, and everything else around what coming back to Manitoba would mean. Um, but as I said, there still seems there's some work to do. The one thing I will say from this, and this is just from a Jets fan perspective, I don't think there is a fan around that can give the management of True North a hard time about the way they've handled these things. He's clearly been the first choice. He clearly is in the minds of, I think, most people, the guy that um, would be the best solution to where the team is at right now. And they're doing everything they can to get it done. There was no guarantees that Barry Trotz was going to be the guy here. Uh, I'd say I personally am a little more optimistic now considering some of the other jobs that have been filled. Um, but it's far from a guarantee 
But if they do have to go another direction, it won't be for lack of trying with the guy that was the number one, uh, the number one candidate on their list, Remus. And uh, again, it just gives us a few more days to kick this around. And uh, it certainly is the hottest topic in Winnipeg when it comes to the local hockey team. And um, we'll be here for it. I loved hearing Jeff Merrick bring up uh, how seemingly every business is giving him free blank for life, uh, most notably free little brown jug and a beer named after him. But also the shout out to Elliot giving the shout out to Walby and Doug Brown. Um, I just thought that was entertaining. Everybody so. saw Walby's tweet after the little brown jug offer that yeah. he wanted to potentially join the coaching staff. And uh, we had a great chat with him last week. So, there is your up-to-date weekend in review for Trot's Watch on Winnipeg Sports Talk. We'll get Dave Poulin's thoughts, and we'll certainly pick the brain of Jeff Hamilton when Hammer joins us a little later on. One of the other things we'll do, Remo, is talk about that Bomber game. Um, man, I'll say this. There's a lot of things that the Blue Bombers can improve on right now, but the defense sure looked a lot better with Jackson Jeffcoat. Huge play in the second half, uh, deep in their own territory, forcing that fumble. Uh, and once again, a defense that may have a little bit of bend, but there is not a lot of break. And you look at their performance in the second half and especially the fourth quarter, uh, that's been the backbone of the championship pedigree this team has. Still waiting for the offense to maybe get going a little bit more. Uh, but right now, the team's 2-0. and Hard to complain about an undefeated season so far, even though we know that there is quite a bit more we can get out of this blue and gold team. Yeah, not, not winning by enough. Uh, so not winning in as dominating fashion. Well, they did win by enough. Like. We did. They did win by oh, they enough. Did cover. I mean, anyone that was worried that they were all faithful in the Bombers and they bet it earlier on at six and a half and saw it go all the way down to one, it didn't matter what you what the number you got on the Bombers. They got the W and yeah. they covered the spread. I'll say this about the defense. Uh, when, you know, it's the second half of the game, they haven't given up a touchdown. Ottawa had two field goals. In the first game and in the second game, they only had the one uh, with the one field goal as well. So uh, it seemed like when Ottawa was trying to get down to the red zone, it just wasn't uh, they couldn't punch it in. And yeah, Jackson Jeffcoat making his presence shown early uh, or sorry, late in the game with the strip fumble. Uh, that was an absolutely huge play. So on the offense, uh, you'd like to see some, you know, Improvement in terms of moving the ball. Dalton Schoen has looked great. Um, field goal kicking is going to be a question through the first two games. You can't have these missed extra points, allowing them to get back in it. So, But hey, 2-0, and I don't think you can argue. Look, you, you got a lot of long season to hit your stride. You'd rather be peaking at the right time, and they certainly did that in the last season. No doubt about it. Uh, Bombers back at it on Friday. We'll uh, talk Bombers with Jeff Hamilton coming up a little bit later on in the program. And, of course, the Bombers are back in action. Yeah, Friday night, home to Hamilton. And Friday will also be our live show at Little Brown Jug. So there's a quick heads up to all of you. If you're able to uh, maybe ditch work or get out on Friday afternoon, come on out, hang out with us. We'll do the show from 1 until 3. And then we'll probably kick around, have a couple pints before heading down to IG Field for Bombers and Ticats. All right, we are expecting Dave Poulin jump coming up in just a, a few minutes. Want to give a big shout out to our friends Pitt and the gang at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. Saw a number of big ones. <laughs> Saw a number of big ones coming out of that lake yesterday. Uh, and we're going to be doing it early in August. So hopefully we'll have plenty of touchdown dances to show you coming out into the uh, the boat. Find out more at AkinsLake.com or at 
Aikens Lake on Twitter. Uh, if you're thinking about making it out to uh, the uh, well, one of the greatest places you've ever found, two hours you can be on the water from the city of Winnipeg, and uh, you won't even know you're anywhere near the grid, if you will. Uh, Wallace and Wallace is everywhere. Winnipeg's over fencing and overhead door specialists. You've seen their fences and trucks all over the city. And listen, if you need the security and protection of a new fence or if winter's done a number on your old one, give them a call. They've got you covered. Vinyl, ornamental, welded welded wire, chain link, or wood. And if it's time to replace your garage door, they've also got Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. uh, 4527-2700. And a Wallace & Wallace expert will come down and give you a free estimate. You can also visit them at wallsfences.com or pop into their showroom on Lawson Road off of Keniston. Hey, this Saturday, our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market are having their big block party and barbecue. Saturday, June 25th, 11 to 1 at the Linden Ridge location, 1751 Keniston. Bring the whole family for face painting, games, product samples, and a free lunch. Remo and I think we're going to probably pop by there. Maybe I can see what Remus looks like face painted. Uh, of course, you'll also find great selection, or great prices on Winnipeg's best selection of natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries. And if you can't make it into the store, visit their brand new fully shoppable website to buy online, schedule delivery, or in-store pickup. Vita Health Fresh Market, Saturday, Linden Ridge, 11 to 1. And, of course, they've got seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store at Linden Ridge and online at myvita.ca. Hey, tomorrow we'll probably see a great selection of new suits from our gang over at F Apparel. Of course, it's the Rady Dinner sold out. Emmett Smith will be there. Really looking forward to being a part of that. If you're realizing, man, come fall, I got to be looking good for a number of back-to-real-life sort of uh, scenarios. F's got you covered. Custom suits starting at $400. And if you're in a wedding party, talking about a great deal for the entire wedding party, 15% off for the fellows when you get your suits over at F Apparel. Find out everything they've got at fapparel.com or pop down to see them at 190 Smith Street. All right, Reem, I think we've got Dave, just no video. Is that right? Yeah, I think Dave's there. Oh, perfect. Well, let's uh, let's get this going and uh, welcome Dave Poulin in for a little Monday NHL talk. Dave, can you hear me okay? How are you? How was your Father's Day? How was your weekend? Uh, a lot of golf and a little bit of hockey and not very good hockey uh, by one of the teams involved. But the other team may have played as perfect a game as I've seen in the Stanley Cup playoffs or the Stanley Cup finals or at any level in a really long time. And, you know, as a coach, you you start to coach it and then you have a really good drill that you like. And everybody does it at top speed and you're like, wow, this is where we're okay. And then you have a practice and you, you get a practice where everybody's in stride and everybody's nailing it. And, and then you work into games and you think, okay, we played great for that five minute segment, or we played great for that eight minute segment, but you know, we're just not consistent. And your best players have to be your best players. I'm not sure I've seen a game where every single player played at his essentially best level for the entire game. And I think that's what we saw on Saturday night. It wasn't, one, I mean, you know, it wasn't McKinnon just ripping it up and leading the way. It was every single guy. And right now they're playing at a pace that Tampa's going to have to figure out. And, you know, we've given Tampa a lot of credit through this run, Andrew, and I think Tampa will be there uh, tonight. I really do feel like they're not done yet, but they have a lot of work to do to get to that point. It's not just going to happen because they're playing in their home building. 
Well, and, and you're right. They have been in this situation before. Last series, they lost the first two to uh, to the New York Rangers, and then it was down 2 nothing, and, and really in a jam. And, you know, sure enough, they come back, win that game, and win the next three. But, Dave, back to Saturday night. Um, I'm sort of with you. I mean, I don't know how the Avalanche could have been much better in that game, but how concerning was the performance of the Tampa Bay Lightning? That looked nothing like the team that has been so good for so long, and they had absolutely no answers for what the Avalanche were bringing. Well, the reason that Tampa is as good a team as they are is because their best players are the best players on an every-night basis. Like, very seldom do you say, well, where was Victor Hedman tonight, or where was Steven Stamkos, or... Well, that wasn't a Kucherov game. You might have one of those guys, but right now they weren't, none of them were in sync. And, and you don't, you think they're too good a team and they have too many good individuals for it to continue. You really do. So as much as we're saying, where was Tampa, how much of that was because of what Colorado was doing? And, you know, I can just see, I know pro meetings are going on right now and amateur meetings and all the respective teams that get ready for the draft. And things become topics. And right now, you better believe that speed is a topic in all of these draft meetings and all of these free agent meetings that are talking about because Colorado's speed just looks, it looks unstoppable. And even when you go out and get a couple guys, you had Darren Helm last summer. Well, he was always one of the fastest skaters in the league, even in his mid-30s. Uh, Andrew Cogliano, same thing, big-time speed. And their defense, you know, when Byram started playing more minutes when Gerard got hurt, that adds even more speed back there with Bowen Byram. And so it's just impressive to watch. And I think Tampa has an excellent coaching staff from top to bottom. And I do think if I were them right now, I'd be studying what St. Louis was able to do in a couple of games by getting to that speed early and stopping McCarr and stopping McKinnon before they essentially got going. Well, Dave, I, I love the fact that you brought up the speed because, I mean, it's glaringly obvious when they have the puck, but it's also been incredibly impactful defensively. And I think back to, you know, what Kale McCarr was able to do against Connor McDavid in the uh, conference finals. And now it doesn't even seem like they're spending very much time playing on defense because that speed and that tenacious forecheck is turning the puck over. And I mean, that's how you get Nikita Kucherov to go through an entire game with no shots because they're chasing the puck and chasing their opponents the entire time. No question. And there was a play that I clipped in the first period where McCarr started it going through the neutral zone. He was, he was solo. And so I'm assuming a couple guys were changing and all of a sudden he decided to step on the forecheck. So here he had a right shot defenseman forechecking in the left corner, offensive corner, right across kitty corner, right. And leading the way and turned the puck over. And then when it popped back to the blue line, you look and he was standing back at the blue line where he was supposed to be in great position for that play. So just impressive in the way they're doing it in sync because there's always been fast players. But to be able to do it, you know, in coordination with the other four guys on the ice and if everybody look like they're moving at full speed is a real rarity in the National Hockey League. Dave Poulin's with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily from the TSN Hockey Panel. John Cooper has really established himself as one of, if not the best coach in the game. And we've seen over and over through series, the way he has made adjustments and they've made a difference. What's going on in that Tampa coaching room right now, heading into tonight? Well, he, he'd be very demanding of his assistants and they may even break it down. He may take a Robbie Zettler and say, okay, I want you just to tell me how we can help your defense from a forward group. 
and he's got Derek Lalonde, Newsy Lalonde, and he's got um, Jeff Halpern as his forward coaches. One might get the special teams and say, okay, we've got to be better in the two-minute game. You work on the power play. Zettler may as well work on the penalty kill, you know, if he's a defensive coach. But it's breaking it down and saying, show me, guys. I need to see some examples of what we can do differently. Give me a different angle. Give me a different place where we can put the puck on offense to make it harder for Kale McCarr, and Devon Taves, and Bowen Byram to lead their rush. Um, how can we be more physical without taking ourselves out of the game? So in the first goal, they get three guys caught below the goal line. Well, that's fine. That's the fourth line, and that's what they do. And, and Maroon and, and Perry are mixing it up down there with Belmar. But then a defenseman can't go up on the play. So it's things that they've done well, but as, an, as a head coach, I want answers from my assistants with specifics. I want to be able to give my guys something other than we've got to play better. I want to give them some simple tasks that they can do within their game, staying within themselves to turn this around. And the other thing, Andrew, they absolutely have to start the game better. And they can't take a penalty in the first minute for roughing as McDonough did. And, and they can't put that team on the power play and let them get rolling early. So I think real tangible things that are very simple and that sounds simple, but that's what it is. I mean, the individuals have to play better. Dave Poulin with us. Uh, Pooley, everyone's talking about Valerie Nachushkin. And Nachushkin <laughs> has, what, three goals already in the cup final. He's got 13 points through 16 games, had a 25-goal season. I can't look at this guy without remembering the player that went 57 games for the Dallas Stars three seasons ago without a single goal. Oh, has this guy just completely turned around? And what are the lessons that the rest of the league can learn from a guy that was a first-round pick, 10th overall, that didn't work out in one spot, that is now starring in the most important time of the year with the best team in the league? Well, it has to be incredibly frustrating, obviously, for <laughs> for Colorado, or for Dallas, rather. I mean, this is a guy, you bought him out. I mean, you, you not only got rid of him, but you bought him out. You paid somebody, essentially, to take him. And... You know, he's still only 27 years old. And he's in, a, he's in a very, very comfortable spot now. And it certainly has blossomed on every front. But really hard to fathom the struggles that he went through. I mean, zero goals in 57 games. That, that, that doesn't, it seems like you or I would get one. Yeah, it sounds impossible. Today. <laughs> and playing with some of the guys that he would have played with through that group. It really does. But he's found his stride. Um, he's in a comfortable place, and and maybe that's what it is. The spotlight's not on him. You know, yeah, sometimes he goes up and plays with the top line, but it's not like everybody's not looking at him to lead the way, and they've done a masterful job. Barakovsky's another one who would fit into that category. You know, how how is he as available as he is and scoring as timely and as, as good goals as he has, and, you know, why couldn't he do that more consistently in Washington? with the skill level there. So a lot of it's timing. A lot of it's the way he's handled by his coaches. Nachushkin coming into his unrestricted free agency is, you know, and you'd still be a little bit leery. You'd still be like, okay, well, he was really good there, but we've seen the other guy as well. And he's going to get a big contract. And I'd be, I'd be a little leery if I were a buyer. You know, from your time in the front office, I imagine there's an incredible advantage for good teams when it comes down to it, when players like, you know, a Nichushkin or, or guys that are sort of looking for a spot to jumpstart their career, 
potentially coming in on a lesser priced or a value contract because they know that this is the opportunity that can, you know, hopefully help them get to where that they want to be. And this might be one of the best examples of that. Well, it really might. And it's, it's not a lot different from why the third line is successful in Tampa. You know, they're asked to do a certain thing and not above it. And do they do above it on a given night? Of course they do. Nick Paul scores a couple of big goals in the game clinch, clinch against the Leafs or whatever it may be. They've gotten timely contributions along the way. But so has Colorado. And, and Colorado is playing without their second line center right now. Well, all of a sudden, J.D. Comfer pops up and is, is good or ran and slides over in the middle and is good. And that depth is crossing into different levels right now, which is exactly what you need if you're going to hit like they're hitting on all cylinders. Dave, I'm not willing to bury the lightning yet. But if if they were if they weren't wearing lightning jerseys and I saw that game on Saturday night, I'm not sure either I'd, I'd feel the same. Uh, they get the benefit of the doubt because of what they've done. Um, but how realistic might this be a short series in your mind? Well, we're going to know better in a couple of hours. Exactly. How, how are you feeling right now if you're across state in Florida and you got thumped four straight games by them two and a half weeks ago? And you're thinking, well, wait a second. You know, what was that? Or the Rangers or the Leafs for that matter. And, you know, they beat three pretty good teams along the way. It wasn't like things broke nicely for them and, you know, they got an easy draw and somebody upset somebody and they got an underdog. They had none of that along the way. And they've had to earn every bit of it. But I still don't think they're done. I still think you'll see a game tonight. Um, I still think they're capable of coming back in this series. Uh, but they've got to play the way we know and have seen them play. Dave, while we're talking about, you mentioned Florida. Needless to say, and this will come as no surprise to you, that the uh, coaching vacancy in Winnipeg has been the engine of this show for the last month or so. Barry Trotz being at the top of the list. Um, what do you make of the Trotz situation right now, where the Jets are, and what we've heard about Florida kind of talking to some other people quietly over the phone but now it looks like Andrew Burnett, certainly from the insiders um, that are reporting on it, seeming like he might very well come back. I mean, what does that mean for the Jets in this situation? And you're hearing anything else about um, the vacancy here in Winnipeg and the potential of Barry Trotz? Well, you guys have done a really nice job of putting a package together for him. Kevin Chevaldeoff <laughs> doesn't even have to put a package together. You've already looked after that. So there's some very nice recruiting on that step. And by the way, you have broken every NCAA rule in the book. If you were on my recruiting staff, <laughs> you have literally broken every NCAA rule in your recruitment of Barry Trotz. Um, if, if you're in Winnipeg right now, don't you have to feel pretty good? Because teams you were concerned about have hired coaches over the weekend. I mean, you were concerned about Vegas. For sure, they hired Bruce Cassidy. You were concerned about Philadelphia and what their bank vault could do. And they hired John Tortorella. And, you know, and now... Peter DeBoer is going into Dallas. So, you know, you still have, I don't, I don't think he's a fit in Detroit. I keep thinking that Stevie Eiserman's waiting. And, and if he really wanted to make a run at Barry Trotz, that he would have by now. So I think just by attrition, um, and it could be because, you know, you're in a good situation and, and Barry Trotz knows that, but I think you're in a good position and, and you've got to like the fact that those three teams have gone ahead. Um, Boston still might be a bit of a concern for you, but I could see them going young as well. Nate Lehman's a name you hear down there, and I know they tried to put him 
in their American League organization with Providence maybe a year or two ago. He coaches at Providence College and has done a great job there. And that's a name you hear. And you've heard other names that are more associated with potentially where the Bruins are going in looking ahead. But, you know, if, if I'm in Winnipeg right now, I'm thinking my odds are better than they were a week and a half ago or a week ago. You mentioned that Detroit situation, and I can't help but think that part of the waiting might be that Steve Eiserman's quite interested in someone that's coaching right now. And we know that his ties with the Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, you know, are very strong. Um, do you think it might be one of the Lightning assistants that might actually be the apple of uh, Stevie Y's eye? I do. And, and it wouldn't surprise me at all um, if it were Derek Lalonde. And, you know, he's got a similar background and profile to what John Cooper had coming in uh, for his first job in the National Hockey League as an assistant, whereas John's first job in the National Hockey League was a head coach. But they both worked in the USHL. They both worked in junior hockey. Um, Derek, as well, has worked in college. He worked at Ferris State with Bobby Daniels. He worked at Denver University as well. And I thought it was Jeff Halpern at first, but I think there's a little more round out to Derek Lalonde's game. Uh, Rob Zettler's the third name there, and he was the, the head coach in Syracuse in the American Hockey League. I worked with Rob, you know, when we were together with the Leafs. He was an assistant coach. But my my eye go to I goes towards the name that probably people know the least of because that's where he went when he hired a, a full-time head coach with the Tampa Bay Lightning. It was a guy that people weren't that familiar with. Now, I had lost my Marley's team had lost to him when he was in Norfolk in the American Hockey League in the Calder Championship. So I was pretty familiar with Coop. Coop also worked at the Dave Poole in hockey camp years ago when he was a midget hockey coach in Detroit. So I go back a long way there, but a little bit of an unorthodox route along the way, but he'd won at every level. And, and so I wouldn't be surprised if Stevie Eiserman is waiting, and I wouldn't be surprised if that's who he was waiting for was Derek Holland. I, I've got to ask you about John Tortorella. What do you think about the fit of Torts in Philly? I mean, to me, I, I'll be honest, Dave, I was mentioning this on the show last week. You know, Torts has been around the league for so long and has been in so many spots. You sort of think, I still think of him as a guy that already coached the Flyers. It almost seems like it had to happen at some point. I mean, what do you think of the fit? And, you know, if you're a Flyer fan, can you be optimistic that the presence of John Tortorella alone can completely change the culture and get this team back to at least respectability? I think he can get them back to respectability. I don't know if he can get them to win the way they're constructed right now. I think there's still a lot of work to do on the roster. And, you know, and I'm sure John Tortorella had those conversations with Chuck Fletcher going in. It does seem to be a fit, though, with Torts and Philly. Now, that being said, Philly isn't what Philly was. Andrew, you know, it's, we're, not, we're not talking, and he can't wheel Bobby Clark and Reggie Leach out there for the power play right now. And, uh, you know, and that's a, that's a different team. And the organization has changed over the last few years. And quite frankly, it can be, it can be attributed to the fact that Ed Snyder is no longer with us. And, you know, he was the owner there for almost 50 years, which is absolutely amazing from day one and passed in 2015, I believe. And I was at the funeral. I remember sitting there thinking, I wonder if this organization will change because he was the one constant right from day one that kept that flavor of the Philadelphia Flyers what it was. And it has changed. It has uh, changed significantly. They're much more corporate now in the way they're run, um, whereas before it was an individual. And I think, I think that Bringing torts in is a little bit of a move towards where they want to go and, and reestablish an identity. 
And I, and I believe it's an identity that fits the city well. And we'll see if he's the guy that can take them there. Dave, I know you're a big golf guy. Uh, do you watch the U.S. Open? Oh, absolutely. I do have a great story from that first tee, Andrew. And I, I drove by that course literally every day on my way to, uh, to the Boston Garden. So I was pretty familiar with it. But I had an opportunity to play it a few times as well. And I brought a young Boston Bruin named Stephen Hines. Uh, Heinz, he joined us from the uh, U.S. Olympic team in 92. And that spring, we brought him out to the country club. Now, here's a Boston kid playing at the country club for the first time. He'd gone to school at Boston College just up the road. And I played with Heinz. He was a pretty good golfer. Cam Neely was with us and then our host. And so the first tee is kind of removed from where the clubhouse is. It's down a little bit. So it's not like a patio where everybody sits and watches you tee off. So Heinz, he goes first and he hits it about 20 feet literally. And, uh, and so I said, Heinze, just relax. He comes back and says, oh, I'm playing the country club. I'm so excited. It's unbelievable. I said, hit another one, Heinze. So he hits his second one. He hits it about 40 feet. And he comes back and he says, oh, boy, I was really nervous. I didn't know those two guys were going to be watching. I said, Heinze, the caddies, they're coming with us, buddy. They're going to watch every shot you take all day. <laughs> so every time I watched someone tee off on the first tee, I thought, oh, Heinz, he was nervous because two guys were going to be following us around the course. And he didn't realize at that point they were going to be carrying his bag, too. Does that course play like such a beast for uh, mere mortals as it did for the guys in the U.S. Open? Or did they just it trick did. it out so much? I mean, that looks like no. a uh, a long, long walk in the afternoon, if you know what I'm saying. One of the hardest golf courses I've ever played, without a question. Now, a little bit reconfigured because they had a little course there as well. They borrowed and begged and stole parts of the different holes, and, and it was much longer than I would have played it at. But it was a memorable course. I mean, it was, it was really, really remarkable. And I love the courses that are 100-plus years old who hold up to today's games, as Glen Abbey did, the, or not Glen Abbey, but St. George's did the week before at the Canadian Open. Well, speaking of the Canadian Open, just before we go, I mean, uh, your last visit with us, we saw the photo of you on the Zamboni at the Canadian Open getting ready for it. it look, I mean, honestly, it was exactly what the tour needed. It was exactly what Golf Canada needed. An absolutely amazing event. Did you get out there very much? And uh, I, I did. I had an opportunity. Were you there on Sunday? Uh, I wasn't. I was there uh, m mostly. I spent the longest time I spent there was Friday. But um, one of my good friends was the tour was the tournament director, so we had a chance to chat with the agronomist and the the greenskeeper and the uh, the head greenskeeper and the guy that set the pins that morning. And we hung out in the hockey hole for quite a while. Our, our TSN booth was set up there, and they did a great job with that hole. I mean, they really do a great job um, with that tournament. They've built it into quite an event, and it was a lot of fun. Well, and then you had the, I mean, that final threesome, um, you know, Tony Finau, Justin Thomas and Rory McIlroy and Rory winning with a 62. The other guys was 64s. I mean, it didn't get much better than that. It, it sort of gave a lot of momentum going into the U S open and another thrilling finish yesterday where for the first time winner, um, that's what it's all about. And you know what the great thing was, Dave, we had a great day watching golf and then it's right back at it. Seeing if the defending back-to-back -back champs can get off the mat tonight. I would predict they'll be off the mat tonight, Matt. That there, Andrew. That's my prediction for the day. Is I think you're going to see. Now, I'm not going to say they're going to win, but they're coming off the mat. They're going to play a good game tonight.
Hey, Dave, last one for you on the way out. Um, you know, outside of the cup final, um, you know, 30 other teams are planning for the draft. I mean, what what's happening right now? I mean, we saw that Russian sign with uh, with the Canucks. So we saw a trade last week, um, you know, with Vegas and Montreal involving the Shea Weber contract. Um, how active are front offices right now outside of the likes of the Winnipeg Jets that are still trying to figure out who their bench boss is going to be? Well, I think they're very active internally right now. So you stagger your, your amateur meetings and your pro meetings. Um, my guess is the final meetings are the pro meetings that are going on right now and putting the final touches on what they're going to do with free agency. And these are two separate groups of meetings, obviously, that top management participates on both sides. But um, there's a lot of conversation going on, most of it internal right now. And you're really trying to be poised and positioned for what you're going to do with free agency what are you going to do with your own guys to start with? Because there's a lot of work to do internally for a lot of these teams in restricted free agents, in unrestricted free agents. And so right now, it is not a quiet time for offices. Offices are in full go right now. Dave, thanks so much for the time. Enjoy the game tonight and uh, keep hitting them straight when you get out on the links. Enjoy your hockey. Have a great day, Andrew. Thanks. <laughs> thanks so much. There's Dave Poulin. TSN hockey panelist and not one of our favorites here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Yeah, we will hook up with Jeff Hamilton in a few minutes. Um, but while we do that, give a big shout out to our friends over at Culligan Water, the water experts in Winnipeg. And God knows you needed a lot of it yesterday with those record-breaking temperatures here in Winnipeg. Culligan's got it all. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems and drinking water systems and citywide water delivery services, as well as commercial industrial water products and solutions. Whether it's for the home, the cottage, or the office, Culligan's got you. 1200 Sargent Avenue, or find them online at drinkculligan.com. Manitoba Batteries, busy, busy right now, and that's why they've extended their hours up until 8 p.m., on Monday to Friday, so you can hit up Manitoba Battery after work, get everything you need to make the most of our weekends in the very short Manitoba summer. Batteries for literally anything you need to help your summer come along. You're working on a hot rod, you got a golf cart ripping around campsites, something on the water, boats, sedus. Manitoba Battery's got you covered. And the best part about it is, like all good Winnipeggers, we like a deal. You'll save big money and time over big box stores like Canadian Tire and Costco. Shop local, save time and money. Manitoba Battery, they're at 1026 Logan Avenue. Give them a call at 7387-87. They can get your order ready for you for a quick and easy pickup. You can always find them online at manitobabattery.com. Another big win for the Bombers, another home game on Friday. If you need to update your bomber gear, head on over to Royal Sport. They've got the new alternate jerseys, which we'll see later on this season. Some exclusive back-to-back -back championship hats and so much more, including CFL sideline gear. And uh, way more than that, though. Jets gear, NHL, NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, international soccer, and outside of merch, an expanded soccer section, softball, baseball, bikes, fitness, tons of disc golf equipment coming in. Royal Sports has it all. 750 Pemina Highway. Check them out on Instagram as well at Royal Sports Pemina for your latest uh, merchandise drops and sales. And hey, a big shout out to the Nick and Nikki DQ. May I give a major, major um, boost to the new Reese's Pieces cookie dough blizzard i had it on the weekend that might be my new all-time number one hey it's definitely blizzard right now 
get on over to your favorite Nick and Nikki DQ, DQ Northgate, DQ Polar Park, DQ St. Anne's, and DQ Niverville. And check out those stack burgers, too. I mixed the Steakhouse burger in the weekend as well. Thumbs up from uh, from yours truly. All right, let's get uh, Hammer in here. we got a bomber game to talk about. Trot's watch continues. And uh, Jeff Hamilton, the winner. How, how was the weekend? Uh, you stayed out east after the hockey, after the football game? Yeah, I just, uh, I stayed with, uh, or I was there for the game, obviously. And as I often do when I'm in Ottawa, I stick around for a few days. And so I'm currently out in uh, my aunt and uncle's lake, uh, Shafee's Locks, uh, Rito Lakes, Indian Lake, it's called. Too. There's, there's a few of them that just blend into each other. But join the, join the sun and join the water and looking to join this chat. <laughs> By the way, if you're with us, welcome to all the new viewers. Hit that red subscribe button if you haven't already. We're here Monday to Friday, 1 o'clock Central, live on YouTube. We'll have it in your podcast feed around 3.30, just in time for your drive home. Um, I do want to talk football and get to everything that happened in the CFL this week. Uh, but let's get to the Jets coaching search right off the bat. You know what brings them out here on WST. Trot's watch. We, we kind of went through an interesting report from Darren Drager on Friday saying he didn't think the Trots was the, the Jets were Trots' first choice, which got me thinking, well, what other choices are there right now? As many of the other jobs have been filled. Um, but there was quite a bit of anticipation. A number of the local scribes writing that they were planning on meeting this weekend. We've now heard that this meeting has been pushed back. Where are we right now with the Jets' pursuit of Barry Trotz, Jeff? And uh, what are you hearing? Yeah, so I wasn't one of those guys that got the heads up about this weekend chat, but I've been hearing there's been some, I don't know if I want to call it internal turmoil, certainly debate over whether Barry Trotz is the, the right guy for this organization. And I don't mean that as, you know, of course he's, you know, we've been reported and there's no lie to the fact that he's at the top of their list um, and was for a very long time. I just think there might be a bit of a difference in opinion in some of the decisions that come with Trotz as your head coach. Uh, you know, we all know the style in which Barry Trotz plays. He's very defensive minded. You can make the argument, of course, that the Jets need a, you know, a kick in the can when it comes to improving on defense. And he'd certainly bring that. Um, but you also don't really look at a roster like the Winnipeg Jets have a lot of offensive, you know, um, talent, a lot of guys who like to be around the net, who like to score goals, who like to play offense. Um, I don't, not a hundred percent sure if that's the perfect fit for a Barry Trotz. And I, and you know, Barry Trotz, you know, you get the reports out there, you know, he's going to, he's going to get what he wants. Um, and I think that's true in a lot of cases, but there might just be too many pieces to the puzzle here in Winnipeg. Now, that being said, I've also heard stories about, you know, from people that he's already agreed to the terms of service with the Winnipeg Jets. Now, what does that mean? That means maybe it's True North that's holding off. And it could be a number of reasons. We all know True North is a guy that, um, or sorry, a guy, is, is a company that, you know, keeps their cards close to their vest. They don't like to share a lot of things. They like to, you know, announce, you know, their, have their announcements at when, you know, when and however way they want it. And so maybe they are doing a lot of thinking. Maybe there's another candidate that comes into play. I'm not sure about that. Now, you know, I do think that Barry Trotz is the leading candidate. I do, if you had to make me predict right now who the next coach of the Winnipeg Jets is, it's Barry Trotz. I've heard I've heard names being floated out there of potential candidates to the staff around Barry Trotz. And I'll tell you their names. I've heard that, you know, there's a guy by the name of Brad Lauer who 
is a, it was the coach of the Edmonton Oil Kings, the, the most recent, you know, the WHL champions. His name has been floated around as a potential Trots guy. Another guy uh, in the name of in the name of um, Brock Sheehan was 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 another name I'm hearing that would be you know a potential candidate. Did you hear that, Puss? Brock yeah, Sheehan, yeah. a potential candidate um for 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 a trot staff and uh, you know brock sheehan as 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 i mentioned is a ushl head coach for the chicago steel and has connections to kevin Sheveldayoff. so you know and I, from what i understand brad lauer the other guy i know is a trots guy so we're getting to the point where i'm hearing things where you know ultimately a staff is being put together or potentially put together now no one's willing to confirm this i thought it very interesting you know all outlets in Winnipeg seem to have got the same information leading into the weekend. Um, you know where that came from. I don't know personally, but clearly there's an interest as far as True North and and Barry Trotz to talk. I've heard. You know, it's funny that you know Darren Drager. You mentioned he'd reported that you know you're not 100 percent sure that Trotz is is True North's number one option. No, no, no. Well, that the Jets is are, that the way it, around. The Jets are his first option. But then my question is, well, what other options are there right now, considering? all these other jobs, including one that he reportedly turned down in Philly for huge dough. Well, and that's the thing. And I'm hearing, I, I kind of, I heard Dave Poulin put in there. I'm hearing from the same guy who threw out those two names that, you know, Derek Lalonde is almost a done deal in Detroit, that he's not, he's no longer, you know, a fit there uh, with, with Winnipeg. So all signs point to um, Barry Trotz being the next head coach. Um, I've also heard, you know, over weeks, like it, it almost feels crazy. Uh, like the reports that I'm getting, and you know, people from him being pretty much a lock to him now pulling back. Barry Trotz obviously is taking this decision very seriously, right? And I think True North is taking this decision very seriously and weighing out the options because, like I said, I would not be surprised that Barry Trotz hired as a Winnipeg Jets coach will be the news of the summer if that indeed is what happens. But I think the moves just start there. I think what if Barry Trotz gets named head coach of the Winnipeg Jets, watch out. Because I think there's potential for a lot of movement, a lot of shakeup. And now I, I'm not confirming this, but I think that might be the reluctance from True North. I think that they like who they have. They believe, you know, there's an answer there, um, you know, success there. Even though we look at last season, obviously something needs to give. But if you're going to hand the keys to Barry Trotz, and we all know this, Barry Trotz isn't going to a team where he can't get full control of the roster, you know, roster decisions, all those things. That's not an easy thing to give up. And that's probably why you don't have other teams signing them. Vegas, Philly, you know, they're not just going to, you know, there's guys in there that also want to make personnel decisions. And I don't think they just want to hand the keys over. And then there's the, then there's the debate if, um, if Barry Trotz is the mastermind. You know, if Lane Lambert isn't the guy who, you know, is 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 been equally as important as Barry Trotz to a coaching staff. Well, Lane Lambert is not coming with Barry Trotz. And so there's all these things floating out, all these potential reasons for, you know, what seemed like a slam dunk pick. And I don't know, you know, you got to be careful with these things, too, because different parties have different, you know, mandates different things that they want to put out there and you know float different narratives to have them talked about it's why you're very careful i mean it's why you can go out something like this on a show and and, and share what you're hearing 
And, and it's another thing to put it on paper, to put it in print, because that that is final. And, and you know, you can kind of that's why you have guys like Elliot Freeman, Darren Drager, Pierre Lebron, insiders floating. I'm hearing this. I'm hearing that. And it's because you have to you have to be a bit safe. It's unless unless the team or the coach is telling you directly, you got to be a bit careful on what you actually print in some ways. So I think there's a lot going on here. I think there's a lot at play. I think there's a lot of decisions to be made. Um, I get this feeling that, you know, Barry Trotz was at one point willing to sit out the year. I think he was okay with just taking a deep breath. I mean, look at him. Every single available coach was our available team was essentially after firing their coach was essentially going after him. Why is that any going to be any different a year from now? You know, and so he's going to get, he's already under contract with, with the, with the Islanders. So he's getting paid. And so I think there was a, you know, you hear about the talks that the, the true North has come back. I think true North has circled back multiple times. I also know for a fact that true North has ex, has interviewed other people. They've reached out now, how, formal those interviews are or, or whatever they've met they've met with other people out there a lot of the people that i mentioned on my name some have been hired some are still floating out there um but i think that true north sees barry trotz is more than just a fix as a coach i think he you know this isn't new information others have said this and i've said this on your show Huss, is i think they view it as a victory when it comes to fans Fans want an answer. I don't know, you know, a guy, if you hire Barry Trotz today and the announcement is made that he's the next head coach, regardless of what the results will be down the line, a lot of people will buy into the Winnipeg Jets. They'll buy season tickets. He's the kind that he brings that hometown, you know, coaching pedigree answer to the Winnipeg Jets that you know Mark Chipman is thinking about. Like, how could you not be? Uh, he he answers a lot more questions than just, you know, roster decisions. But I also think that if you're going to give in to his, and I use demands lightly, I mean, they are things that, you know, this is what he needs to be comfortable in his position. This guy has earned that position to ask for things. Now, would a market like Winnipeg be more susceptible to those demands than, say, a Philadelphia <laughs> Flyers or a Vegas Golden Knights? I would go absolutely. Because there's, you know, I think Philadelphia and, those kind of destinations, Vegas and bought, you know, other places, they they can kind of push back a little bit. I'm not saying the Jets can't push back or whatever, but I don't think they can play as hardball as other teams. And so if if Barry Trotz has gone to other teams and said, This is what I want, there's probably a reason why other guys are getting hired ahead of him, despite some of them gassing their coaches with the with the pure hope of him coming on. And so I think when you think about it, it's it's not you know, it doesn't have, you know, some of it's speculation, some of it's whatever, but I think a lot of it's common sense that you have a guy who wants a lot of decision-making. You have a very proud organization in true North that believes in their staff and believes in what they're doing. And how much of the keys do you want to hand over to Barry Trotz? And then we also know he wants a management position. So, you know, if you're Kevin Shevelday off, how comfortable are you, you know, giving a job to a guy or wanting to give, I don't think it's Kevin Sheveldayoff's decision. I think it's Mark Chipman's decision um, ultimately, but how comfortable are you to give it to a guy who ultimately wants, you know, you could say wants your job unless you move into a president of something, which I think is possible. I think that would depend, you know, solely on the results. I don't think you could justify, you know, a promotion if things go into the crapper, but um, there's just a lot of things to decide. And I think there's a lot of consideration to do that short-term excitement, all those things, you're ultimately giving up power and whether it's hockey or any industry or anything in life, that's not an easy thing to give up. 
And that's ultimately what Barry Trotz wants. And I think would bode well here in Winnipeg, given where the Jets are. Now, if the Jets were, you know, perennial playoff team and, you know, things were going well, they're coming off a horrendous season that fell short, so short of expectations that maybe you do need to give the keys to somebody else. Maybe you do need to give the decision-making to someone else. That Even if that's something that you, you know, pub, the public fans, myself included, may think be a benefit, I don't make those decisions. There's people in high places at True North that do. And I think that's the situation where we're at is that you got two parties that are trying, both have respect for each other, but are trying to figure out if this is the fit that they want. Uh, it, it sets up a fascinating week. Um, if only we could know what they were talking about and where they're at right now, because I, like you, have heard a number of different things. And I mean, I take everything with a grain of salt. I mean, we have fun kicking things around. I There's a lot of things I don't throw out here just because I think it's somewhat irresponsible. Nick um, hasn't told you about any Dairy Queens around town that's uh, that's giving you <laughs> giving you the giving you the, the straight goods. Hey, dude, I, I I popped into the DQ in Nipawa, asked around this afternoon. I was uh, I was pounding the pavement around at Clear Lake and Wasagaming. I I was on call if I needed to go up to Dauphin, make that fifty minute drive earlier this week. I was going couple to Barry Trotz tattoos on the shoulder, twenty twenty two or what? <laughs> exactly, off season champs back to back. Let me ask you this, because what you did say is very interesting. And I think that, you know, regardless of which way the coaching search goes, once there is clarity, the next thing that moves on to the roster. How different do you think this roster looks next year if Barry Trotz is the head coach as opposed to another option? Not understanding who the other option is, but being someone different in ideology than a Barry Trotz. And, well, and, and a guy that probably you know, won't come in with the same sort of stroke when signi- it comes to the Significant, changes. significant, significant. And I think that, to me, if you had to ask me, which you are, uh, I think that's the holdup. I think the holdup is the draft is going to be a very interesting day. Let's just, I, this is what I predict. The draft will be a very interesting day for the Winnipeg Jets if Barry Trotz is the coach. Now, I think there are other options out there that, because I think you're looking at two different things. I think you're looking at a guy like Barry Trotz for all those other reasons I mentioned, including fixing the defensive issues. And that's what your interview is going on. And you're, you're willing to open up, you know, a lot of things for him, um, you know, for his family as well. And then, but I think that the other option is you're interviewing other candidates who I think you're more directing. What can you do with this staff? Like, I don't think they're giving the same things. They're not giving the same things to other coaches, you know, other candidates than they would a Barry Trotz. And I think with Barry Trotz is roster decisions important because I think roster decisions for Barry Trotz has been his bread and butter in developing, you know, whether it be, I want to say championship teams. He's got one Stanley Cup with Washington, but he builds, you know, perennial playoff teams that are tough to play against. Now, other conversations I think are different. You know, what can you do with this roster? This is, you know, or or certainly not as drastic change. We feel like we have a fit. We just need better structure. What would you do with this? And I think that True North is hearing those out. Um, but I do think they, you know, to answer your question, I think it's a drastic change in direction from what Barry Trotz would do if he came to Winnipeg. So we were playing some clips earlier. Pierre said he thinks Barry Trotz makes his decision in and around Canada Day. Um, mm-hmm. Elliot Friedman suggested they need Walby and some beef in the room and uh, just don't let Barry Trotz out when they meet this week until he leaves. Um, do you have any 
inkling as to what sort of a timeline either are, are, are working on. I mean, I have no reason to doubt Pierre, um, but at the same time, we're talking about basically a weak window. I mean, the sooner the better for the Winnipeg Jets. I think it's quite obvious. Will there be, do you think, some clarity this week post the meeting, or is this just another stage of the process that could drag on another week or two? Look, I think it's a bit of a fool's game to suggest, you know, this week. I mean, how long has that been going on, right? I mean, this, you know, whether what day of the week or, or what the motion is, I think it's been an ongoing process. Um, you know, whether I think, you know, I think it's safe to say that the Winnipeg Jets would want their guy in sooner than later. But I also think Barry Trotz, as he sees other teams fill vacancies, understands how much he's wanted here. And I think there's a big thing for him for him to consider. I've also heard rumblings about him getting offered other opportunities outside of the NHL. Now, I'm not suggesting other leagues, um, but other opportunities, as well as the opportunity to sit back and relax for a year. And I think that's not an easy decision. So as much as, you know, the Winnipeg Jets and certainly fans want to know sooner than later, and, you know, you, I love it, right? Because the speculation of, of the, you know, the time frame here just seems to, you know, and, and other coaches getting filled just seems to, you know, depends what side of the fence you're on. Some people say, oh, this is a slam dunk for Barry Trotz coming. Others are, are concerned about the timeline. I would say this. It would have to, not saying it has to be, of course, you'd want it to be, um, but I would say before the draft. Now, obviously, that, you know, conveniently gives me a lot of a lot of rope here as far as adding an extra week on even to the Canada Day projection. Um, but the reality is you want your coach sitting there um, because but but the coach doesn't make the decisions of the draft. A lot of the work that the Winnipeg Jets and True North have done doesn't really matter about the head coach and, and picking a guy. You know, I don't think Barry Trotz has spent a ton, or any coach for that matter, has spent a ton of time, you know, looking at the, the you know, the draft, the, the prospects here and who they personally like. That's the general manager's job. That's not, you know, obviously in consultation with coaches too, and I'm sure some coaches have more say than others, but my projection would be ideally for the Winnipeg Jets would be today <laughs> uh, or this week sometime, but I think it's really going to come down to, uh, you know, Barry Trotz's decision on when he wants it. Again, I'm hearing rumblings that, like, you know, and, and reports like Mike McIntyre at the Free Press and others around town have said it's close to a done deal. We've, you know, I've heard that in the same vein where, you know, he's just decided, mm, I'm not 100% sure. So I, you know, I do think that that timeline is sooner than later. That's not really an answer to your question. I think it'd be ideally for the Jets this week because you do need to move on to other candidates. Now, those, those other those positions are getting filled, so there's only so many people that you can have. But I think there would be a, a bit of a sense of disappointment, you know, if, if Barry Trotz moves on. But you don't really have that power when he's the guy that you want and he's the guy that you know, as we've been saying, has been the top of the list or whatever. Um, I don't, you know, I don't think you rush a guy or you give him an ultimatum. You've already gone this far, but I have to think for Barry Trotz and himself, you know. I've, Again, I don't never been in a situation where I had to pick what NHL hockey team I wanted and give demands to. So I don't know what that timeline looks like and what I need for my family and my decision making process. Um, I will say this: the Nashville house is, has nothing to do with anything about him moving to Nashville. Apparently, that's for like his kids or something, or or just a real estate opportunity. Um, but I do think that you know, if I had to make a guess, I would say no later than July first. I just don't see why. 
you know, you need more opportunity. The negotiations are going to happen. I don't know, you know, maybe you have talks this week and you want to sit with it for a few days. I don't think you need to sit with it for a week. So, um, you know, do the mental math in there. And I think we're looking at, you know, this week and at the very least, trust those insiders who say by July 1st, because I don't see why it would go any later than that. No doubt about it. Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg Free Press with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Let's move over to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. You were out in Ottawa for game two of the regular season, a 19-12 win. A defensive performance, especially in the second half, that was reminiscent of the team that smothered opponents at the end of last season. And man, what a return of Jackson Jeffcoat. You see what the difference maker he is. And uh, man, he made maybe the biggest play of the game late in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, his he was always, I mean, people debate over him and Willie Jefferson. Does it really matter? Both are studs. Both are guys that get to the quarterback. Um, I'd say Willie Jefferson's a little bit more durable in the sense that he doesn't get injured as much as, as Jackson Jeffco, but what a player he is, right? I mean, they're around the same age. So it's not like, I mean, I think Jackson Jeffco might be a little bit younger, but um, he's a guy that... Uh, brings that energy, right? Bring and people always they have the they have the horses to you know they have the depth, but it's the depth behind the depth, right? That becomes an issue when a guy, whether it be a Willie Jefferson or a, or a Jackson Jeffcoat or or any any star, Adam Big Hill, anyone on that team. Look at look at Brandon Alexander right now. I mean, if he's in the safety, if he's back in the secondary, um, they're probably not getting torched as much for yards, and there's a little bit more communication and structure there. But um, you know. I don't even know what I don't even know what the question is now, but I will say this that I think that you know what we saw is getting closer to the team that I don't think we're ever gonna get to the 2021 Blue Bombers team, but you can tell there's rust for every club. And I think we're seeing subtle improvements from from this team from from week one to week two. And I think they're you know, I think that they they have the benefit of buying time right now. Um, with those victories as they clean up a lot of stuff and as they get healthier and as they get guys back. But um, 2 and is a nice start for a team, obviously, especially for one that probably doesn't deserve to be that mark. But as we, as you've heard over and over again, the mark of being um, is, uh, is can pull wins off when they're, when they're not playing at their best. Good to be lucky, lucky to be good. And that's what we got <laughs> with the Bombers right now through two weeks. Well, let's, uh, let's talk about the offense because, um, you know, hey, listen, you go on the road and put up 19 points. I think you'll agree you're probably somewhat fortunate to be lucky, but that's what a championship defense does. It allows you to win some games like that. The big questions were both in the backfield and receiving. Starting off with receiving, Ellingson's look mm-hmm. great. He's got a lot of connections, uh, you know, seems to have that chemistry with Zach Caleros continuing and uh, and shown the the rookie, you know, big touchdown on the in the game in a couple. Are, are you surprised that they like those two guys were the two leading receivers for the club? I mean, I was sort of assuming that they'd be leaning on Dembski and Bailey and Wolitarski earlier on. I mean, what do you make of the bomber passing game right now? What is working and what, you know, could be better? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you. I, I mean, it's not all that surprising that Greg Ellingson is is performing the way he is in the sense that, I mean, he's a veteran receiver in this league. He's put up a lot of good seasons in the past. He's got, you know, some kind of chemistry with, with Zach Claris as they started in Hamilton many moons ago. Um, but, and, and just a veteran receiver knows the game, right? He's going to pick up an offense better than a guy like, like a, you know, a, like a shown. So, you know, like a Dalton shown. So to me, I mean, it's impre- I think Dalton Schoen's been impressive um, in the sense that he's been impressive since the moment he arrived in Winnipeg. I mean, we, we've been talking about this guy in training camp as I don't want to see like a, you know, 
a Zilstra in the past, but no, he's a guy that comes in and maybe he can be a, a Jalen Acklin. Maybe he can be that, you know, that Luke Tasker, right? That guy that comes in, has sure hands, runs his routes, you know, uh, uh, you know, efficiently and all those things. And I think we're seeing a bit of that now. I mean, he got in the end zone, right? This past week, I think he had two catches. So it wasn't like he was lighting things on fire either, but you know, promising nonetheless to get open. And, and that's the question here, right? From week one to week two, Zach Kolaris had more time to throw the ball. I think he was overwhelmed. I think that, and not just from the O-line in week one, I think he had a bit of what you call happy feet, where I think he was, you know, maybe a little too excited, never played a snap in preseason, so never got any of that, um, you know, maybe early jitters out of the way. I thought he was a lot calmer, a lot more composed in the second week. Um, but the question is, is are they designing plays for a guy like Nick Dembski? I thought Nick Dembski would be a guy who, you know, when you saw his one court, one half of play in the preseason, he had, I think, three catches for 80 yards and stretch the field now um nick's done some good things if you watch he had two runs for 21 yards and while the 12 yard run was obviously more yards the nine yard run i would argue was was even more impressive in that he you know he willed his way through and you had mike o'shea singing his praises in in, in the post game talking about how incredible he is well so i don't know if it's not getting the ball that like if he's not getting open if they're not designing plays for him if they're using things for decoy using him as a decoy there's lots of factors that come into play when it when, when talking about the success of an individual player and offense as a whole um but it is odd to think that you know the three guys who were on this you know were in this offense last, last season and, and and for seasons and Rashid bailey drew woltarski and nick dembski those are the three guys that aren't really in catches that aren't you know pacing the team and plays and again i mentioned nick dembski you had Rashid bailey have a i think it was 24 yard catch that led to i believe that uh that, that first touchdown to ellington he drew another pass inter, uh pass interference call that led to a field goal um so they are and i and drew woltarski had the longest reception of the game for the bombers last uh in week two at 32 yards so there are flashes here it's just i think building consistency and again i don't know if it's they're not getting open they're not getting you know that they're not designing plays for them i have a hard time believing in that but they're also playing to the coverage here's the other thing i think is important and needs to be understood a little bit is that paul la police there's absolutely no doubt in my mind was scheming for this game for months like like i'm not talking like i'm talking march you know what i mean like i'm talking a guy who was watching film he knew how crucial these two games were for his club after a you know an incredibly disappointing first season as head coach last season. So he and not to mention, of course, as we all know, how you know he knows Buck Pierce. He mentored Buck Pierce. He's watching for certain things. He knows what the defense is doing. He knows how those guys act. So I think it was a very inch, you know, you know, I would have said this is going to be a very, very tough early on test for the Ottawa Red Blacks. But then when I thought about it more, and certainly when you watch those games, maybe that was the perfect time to play the Bombers was when they're rusty at the beginning and, you know, banged up in the secondary. And I thought Paul Apolice did a hell of a job, you know, really combating the Bombers. I mean, they said that he threw things at them in week one that they just were not prepared for. Um, and week two also battled. I mean, it was a close, close game throughout both. Uh, you know, we can talk about some errors on Ottawa that probably led, you know, including from Paul Apolis that led to their demise, if you will. But it, it just goes to show that you need to be pretty much play perfect football against uh, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers to, to, to belt out a win or to earn a win. And, and uh, right now, um, I think that they lost their chance and the Bombers are going to get better. And we'll see what happens with the Ottawa Red Blacks for the rest well, of the Well, and season. just speaking of Ottawa and La Police, 
I'll be honest. I mean, I had a, uh, I had some flashbacks to what 10, 11 years ago, here's the head coach of the blue bombers doing a lot of right things, but having a complete lack of discipline on your football club that continues to kill you over and over and over again. And you look at game number one, the penalties that Ottawa took uh, at crucial times. And then of course the inability to hold on to the football. I mean, those are things that, you know, are eminently correctable. And frankly, if they had been better in those aspects, I'm not sure we're not talking about at least a one-on-one team. Well, for sure. And I mean, there's a comment too that I, I think I saw in the comment section that I forgot to mention the previous one was that I don't know if I, I don't know if the bombers have like that marquee playmaker. I'm still waiting to see it. Like, you know, they leaned on Andrew Harris a ton last year, right? Granted, he didn't play for pretty much half the season, but he brought not just a playmaking ability, but he brought a certain energy to the huddle, a real tangible energy to the huddle from the O-line to the quarterback to every, you know, to the receivers, 33 off of that. Kenny Lawler made incredible plays last year. You know, there's no doubt about it. He led the CFL in receiving, and a lot of those plays, a lot of those catches were tough catches. They were, you know, solid plays. So I think they're missing that right now and their identity a little bit. And, you know, as much as, you know, Brady Oliveira and Johnny Augustine, you know, I thought that one-two punch was, you know, it wasn't obviously wasn't amazing in week two, but it was, it, it came up big at the right times, you know? And I think what you saw in that, in that last game was Brady Oliveira dropped 15 pounds this year. So he could be more resilient to an 18 game grueling season. I still think he's learning how to endure a long season. And that's why I think you saw Buck Pierce make a decision later in the game to bring in a Johnny Augustine. And I think we're going to see that a lot. I think it, you know, Buck Pierce is really in tune uh, with, with that backfield, but I just, at this point with the offense, I feel like there really is a bit of a missing link as far as that key playmaker. I felt that big time in week one, you know, like, you know, you play for teams, it doesn't matter if you play for pro teams or not, but you kind of look up and down the bench, go, who's going to make a big play. And I, and I'm just, I look at the bombers offense and if it's, you know, it, it takes two to tango. It can't just be Zach Claris delivering a, you know, a dart. It needs to be a guy catching it too. So I think that might be one of the things. As for, remind me of your last question about Ottawa Huss. I well, I was just saying how undisciplined they were and how they just right. continue to shoot themselves in the foot with terrible penalties. They did it at, well, and they also had some drops and whatnot in game number one. But I mean, the game on the weekend, I mean, it just seemed like, you know, there were plays where the Bombers were going to be off the field and all, no, 15-yard penalty um, uh, you know, that then it enabled them to continue on. And the Bombers will make you pay for those mistakes. Oh, for sure. And I mean, none greater than the, you know, the game ceiling penalty at the end for roughing the kicker. You know what I mean? That's just, you know, inexcusable. And so there's lots of plays, I, you know, I, and whether that is, you know, it's interesting because I don't put that, that their discipline issues per se as like Toronto was last season. Like Toronto was almost a group of bad boys that just used to do whatever they wanted. It was almost their identity on defense was to smack you in the mouth and take 15 yards for it. So, but to me, um, uh, you know, but to me, I, I look at, you know, even Winnipeg had issues with with penalties, right? I mean, and so penalties are either a lack of discipline, they're a lack of understanding the 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 system. I mean, I think, you know, we can argue, we, we can make the argument that Jeff Gray struggled in that department, but then cleaned it up by the end of the game. But um, certainly, I thought penalties were, you know, undid things for certainly undid things for 
uh, them in week two, but not in week one. I think it was the it was the mistakes that that Winnipeg made. I mean, even look even look at week two. I mean, Greg Ellingson dropped a sure touchdown. I mean, there were there were penalties that extended plays, killed drives. I mean, there was I mean, and and outside of the discipline part for Ottawa, I mean, how do you have another week where you're mismanaging the clock? I mean, Mark Leggio kicks the kickoff out of bounds. You start at your fifty. You have timeouts and you're just shooting yourself in the foot. Like really cool that you got that long distance, you know, touch or, or touchdown, long distance pass at the end of the first half. But you did the exact same thing the week before and you just scurried into the tunnel. You use your time out there and properly or before you're getting valuable seconds to set yourself up and you have the best kicker in the CFL. I just, those things are inexcusable last week or week one, it cost them the game because they lost by two points. They lost by a touchdown. There was a handful of things, including discipline, um, including, you know, within that discipline penalties and then just making boneheaded plays. And so, uh, you know, as much as Ottawa looks improved, um, there's other areas that I think need to be cleaned up if they're going to, you know, beat top end teams like Winnipeg. No doubt about it. As far as the the running back situation goes, Brady Oliver had 14 carries, Johnny Augustine had seven Johnny with a 6.1 average, a couple beautiful runs. Wouldn't be surprised if he gets a few more touches next game. Hammer, thanks for doing this, man. Enjoy your time out east, and we'll see you when you get back to the peg. Always a pleasure, Huss. Thanks for having me on, and uh, shout out to the commenters. I'm sure they're uh, they're excited about this week. We'll see what happens. Right on. Thanks, Hammer. There is Jeff Hamilton, of course, talking bombers, as we always do here on the program. We do it for our friends at Princess Auto. Make sure to check out the pregame tailgate party beginning at 5.30 outside the stadium on uh, on Friday night. Comes with great Princess Auto giveaways as well. And I guess Princess Auto, where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new at Princess Auto. Check them out at one of two Winnipeg locations. Or shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Uh, big shout out to our friends over at Not Auto Corp. I had a couple of friends pop into Not on the weekend to check out those Teslas on the lot. A lot of people thinking about going electric in today's environment right now for a number of reasons. Not's got you covered to tell you everything you need to know about switching from a traditional vehicle to an electric vehicle. It's called the Tesla Experience. Find out more. And if you are looking for a new whip, why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Knot team there at Waverly and McGilvery and uh, online at knot.ca. Um, of course, I mentioned the big Blue Jays watch party tonight at Boston Pizza. If you're looking for a table tonight, that's at BP Polo Park, June 20th, 7.10 p.m. tonight's first pitch. You've got free food, drinks, tons of giveaways. Everyone's going to get a Blue Jays hat on arrival you can see if they still have tables available, 204-925-4107. And if you're staying home tonight, you can always order online at bostonpizza.com. And we're going to talk some golf right now with the Z-Man. Whenever we talk golf on this program, we do it for our friends at Breezy Bend Country Club. If you're looking for an amazing long-term home for you and your family on the course, Breezy is the spot to do it. Find out more on the waiting list for next season with our friend Corey Johnson over at the clubhouse or find out more online at breezyben.ca. All right. Been an amazing couple weeks for the PGA Tour, starting last week north of the border at Royal St. George's and finishing off with Matty Fitzpatrick winning the U.S. Open yesterday. No one we love talking golf with more than the Z-Man, Mark Zacchino of Golf Talk Canada, PGA Tour Radio and more. What's up, Z? How are you? I'm I'm exhausted. 
That was. It's, uh, it's been a crazy couple of weeks. Good weeks, though. To your point, PGA Tour needed these weeks. They got two of them in a row. Uh, pretty awesome experience uh, at our national championship, and then a great U.S. Open this week. So, at the end of the day, uh, two very amazing weeks back to back. And uh, I think, to your point, Tour needed them. So, well, well, they did. And you know, let's back up to to two weeks ago. Um, you know, in Southern Ontario. This was the week where, I mean, first of all, I think everyone was blindsided by the DJ uh, move to the Live Tour, and Live had been dominating. I mean, you've covered this game for a long time. How weird was that week um, leading into the tournament before the real stars of the PGA Tour took over with the show they put on? Yeah, it almost feels like two weeks, to your point. You know, we were on location every day doing Golf Talk Canada, which we've never done before. You know, normally we do Golf Talk Canada on Monday radio. And then we might do a bonus edition on a Wednesday during a major week. Then we shoot the TV show on Tuesday, uh, which airs then Wednesday. And, you know, they put it on a loop for the remainder of the week. So we've never actually been on location and done five days of radio before Monday to Friday. And the first three, three and a half days really felt like a different week to your point. I mean, Liv was dominating the the news headlines i i mean it was one player going then another player rumored to go obviously dustin johnson the face of the rbc ambassador program i mean they had to basically rip down posters banners take away tv creative overnight rbc to erase dustin johnson um from their program and from this tournament because you know he didn't wait one week, basically, is the reality of the situation, is that he didn't think it was necessary to, to go, hey, I've got an RBC obligation here. I'll go to live the following event. I mean, he just jumped ship. It feels like in the middle of the night, and that's all we talked about. But then, you know, Thursday afternoon rolls around. The tournament started taking shape. I started changing hats and started working for PGA Tour Radio. I was lucky enough to be with Rory McIlroy for four days. By the time we got to Sunday, I mean, Liv was a distant memory. Uh, probably the greatest uh, Canadian Open I've ever been a part of. So exciting, amazing leaderboard. I mean, it, we got exactly what we needed um, from a national championship, and the tour got exactly the same thing. And it seems to me almost like, even if you look at the U.S. Open this week, Liv is a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday story. And then once the real golf starts, it kind of goes away. And I expect the same this week. We'll probably get some live news tomorrow and Wednesday, and then by Thursday afternoon, it'll be gone. Yeah, we're off to the travelers and seeing what the guys that are here are doing on the course. Hey, just one more thing from the RBC. I mean, there's such a focus on the uh, Canadian talent in the game. We had Aaron Cockrell on the program on Monday, um, coming off his PGA Tour debut, making the cut for the first time. An incredible story and a very different path. I, did you get a chance to cross paths with Aaron at all? And, uh, what were some of the people in the Canadian golf community talking about the guy that probably a lot of people weren't as familiar with as many of the regular names we see on tour? I did not get a chance to cross paths with him, which is unfortunate because he was the guy I was saying last week. People were asking me about you know what I thought of the Canadians and, and yada, yada, yada. Of course, everybody goes to the, the usual suspects. And I was very quick to, to tell people, say, hey, if you have a chance to catch out Aaron Cockrell, keep your eye on this name. You know, he was 40th on the DP World Tour coming into the RBC Canadian Open, playing well. Like you mentioned, a, diff a different path. Let's not forget that Brooks Kepka 
came through a similar path. You know, he played on the Challenge Tour. He played on the European Tour before he found major success on, on the main tour. So he was on my radar all week. Uh, I was unfortunate that I didn't get a chance to meet him. Was being pulled in 900 different directions <laughs> last week. Uh, but uh, but I think he's probably got a very bright future ahead of him. And it's going to be interesting to see now how that DP World Tour kind of takes place and, and takes shape because players are going to have to ha- uh, make some decisions soon. We're hearing a lot of rumors out of that tour. We don't know if they're going to stand with the PGA Tour or stand with the Live Series. Uh, I'm hoping the rumors are wrong and that players will not have to make a choice. It's This is going to get ugly if, if it goes that way. Well, if you could just refresh our listeners that maybe were so locked into the golf, they didn't hear that. I mean, there are rumors that, you know, originally it was going to be one or the other. I mean, now potentially players could have the opportunity to go back and forth to the DP, to the Live Tour. And what would that do to the PGA Tour, Z? Well, that's that's what that's what we're all kind of waiting on. And so far, it was just a, a story that leaked yesterday from Michael Collins of ESPN. It hasn't been uh, picked up by anybody else. It has not been verified at this point. It's it's a rumor. Uh, Michael knows this stuff. Not trying to take any credibility away from Michael, who also works for SiriusXM. It's just right now. It's still in the rumor mill. We know Keith Pelly, who is the commissioner of the DP World Tour was in London a week ago meeting with the Live Golf Series, apparently talking about even a potential partnership. To me, this is it's just very bad business. I mean, the European Tour, they couldn't keep their lights on during the pandemic. They went, uh, they went on hand and knee to the PGA Tour, asking for them for an investment, asking for them for their partnership to keep the lights on. Then they went back again and asked for help with sponsorship with some marquee events like the Irish Open and Scottish Open. Jay Monahan and the PGA Tour stepped up again. And now it's time for the DP World Tour to stand by their partner, and we're hearing everything else. So I'm hoping these rumors are wrong. I hope they do the right thing, regardless of how you feel about the Live Series. You don't go to somebody to keep the lights on and then the first opportunity to stab them in the back, you sharpen the knife. That's just not cool. It's just not good business. Karma comes back around. And if it does come that way, who knows? Who knows what the tour does? The tour ain't going to sit there and take it. So we'll see what their shot back to the DP World Tour would be. Mark Sacchino with us, Golf Talk Canada, PGA Tour Radio as well. Um, Z, we got to Brookline and, I mean... Let's just say we weren't talking about any of the live guys on Sunday afternoon. Um, and it was Matty Fitzpatrick, a guy that I had a little piece of on at the RBC, and I stupidly got off because well, I thought he had a couple good first rounds. And then back, how impressed were you about his 72 holes, especially hitting 17 of 18 greens in the final round? And maybe most memorably, his bunker shot on 18 to uh, all but assure him the opportunity to tour, uh, to two-putt and at worst be in a playoff. You know, he's kind of been on everybody's radar now for a while, waiting for a breakthrough victory. So hard to make your first win on the PGA Tour a major, but but he's done it. But I think he hit the nail on the head. You know, he was impressive all week. He's been very solid all year. But Sunday, as just a micro example, wow. I mean, what iron play? It might be one of the best iron performances we've seen in decades. To hit 17 greens in a final round of a U.S. Open. I mean, he looked like he was in full control pretty much the entire day. Didn't look like he was ever going to miss a green, and he practically did it. 
And to your point, the bunker shot on 18, I mean, you've got to go back decades to find a fairway bunker shot in a major championship that kind of stands out like that. I know Paul Azinger on the broadcast mentioned Sandy Lyle at, at the Masters back in the 80s. Uh, I mean, it might be that long. I, I was sitting there grinding out my my brain going, who, you know, when was the last time we had a situation like this? And those are real bunkers. Those are real penalty areas. These are not the bunkers we play week in, week out on the PGA Tour with these perfect firm lies that, where the guys are almost aiming for them because they'd rather hit out of the bunker than the rough. These are real sandy, lumpy uh, hazards. And what a, I mean, what a solid strike to man up there. He had 159 yards, smoked a nine iron to 19 feet. I mean, very impressive. Um, you know, spent the last year working on his uh, swing speed, trying to find some distance. He was 13th in driving distance this week for a guy that used to hover around the hundredth. So he's hitting it further. He's striping his irons. He's got a great short game. Pretty good recipe for a victory. Well, I mean, Scotty Scheffler is uh, kind of joking because he certainly doesn't look like he went on the Bryson program, but he's done something to get that extra distance, and obviously it uh, culminated with this win. What's the takeaway for Will Zalatoris? I mean, this guy, he just hits the ball so well. He's always there on Sunday, and now he's got three near misses but still hasn't raised a trophy. I think the takeaway is you're good enough to do this. You know, you've been there now several times with one hand on the trophy. The question for me becomes, when does this cross the line from confidence? Because you keep putting yourself there and you keep beating basically all the best players in the world, except for one. That's really what this comes down to. Where does it cross the line or does it cross the line to scar tissue where you start to think, this just isn't going to happen. Or there's, you know, the Sergio Garcia where, you know, the golf gods are out to get me, where there's these outside parts of the golf universe that are keeping you out of the winner's circle. I don't think we're there yet with Zalatoris. I think it's, you know, he's still got a very young career on the PGA Tour, and I don't think he's gagged it. And that could be the real difference. You know, with Sergio over the years, there were times where he lit it on fire and gave it away. Phil Mickelson, the same thing. Greg Norman, numerous occasions. Um, you know, there's 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 numerous others. I don't think we're there with Al Torres. He's playing great golf. I don't think <clears> he's <throat> gagging it. I don't think he's giving it away. I just think he's getting beat by one guy. I think sooner or later the door's going to open up. Whether it's at a major or not, I don't know. It might happen on a regular PGA Tour event at any point this uh, this year, and likely at an event where where par means something. Uh, you know, maybe a playoff event where, you know, seven, eight under is a good score to win a golf tournament. I expect them to probably get it done on a tough, tough golf course. Z, uh, I've just got to quickly ask you before we go about two guys that, um, well, listen, are amongst the best in the world. Certainly Rory McIlroy came in on a heater after that 62 at the RBC was in the mix throughout. But, you know, at the end was, I guess, what finished T5 or T4 or so. And I'll be honest, John Rahm going into yesterday, being one shot back, despite that double on Saturday on the 18th hole, I thought was poised to go back to back. What did you make of their tournaments and especially their Sunday rounds? I think for Rahm is a big surprise. Um, it's been a weird year for Rahm. 
But hasn't it? It's just, I mean, we all expect him to find the winner's circle more often. We, we've all been waiting for Rom, especially when he started the year. If, if I go back to my first event of the year, I was in Hawaii at the Tournament of Champions. Him and Cameron Smith were putting on a show. Rom looked like he was going to win every time he went out. Uh, you know, these guys were, you know, thir- over 30, uh, 30 under par and better. I mean, incredible scoring. And then it, it just hasn't happened for Rom. And when you saw his name there Sunday on the leaderboard, you thought, okay, look out, here he comes. And to your point, it just doesn't happen. And I still think the putting is a big problem for Rom. And now we're going to go to the Open Championship, and I wonder how the slower greens, the bumpier putting surfaces at St. Andrews and the slower greens, how they're going to translate. Do they do they help a John Rom who's struggling with his putting, or does it make it more challenging and the struggles continue? I don't know. There's more question marks for me there. He's so good. The sooner or later, this this is going to – this is going to snap and he's going to come out with some wins, but there's still a lot of questions as far as Rory goes. I mean, like this, this is incredible. I, I mean, he's either he, he's top five or top 10 on a bad week. He's 16 now. Uh, the level of consistency is incredible. He just doesn't rack up the victories the way that you would expect. This wasn't a great golf course for Rory. You know, the greatest weapon in his bag is his driver and his long game. His strokes gained off the tee. His strokes gained outside 200 yards. He can just be dominant with the long game. This was not the golf course for that. I think when we get to St. Andrews, it's a perfect setup. A lot of wiggle room off the tee. Those who can pound the driver, those who can uh, really dominate with the long game. Look at over the years what Tiger did at St. Andrews. I think watch out for Rory. I think he'll be the hands-down favorite at the Open Championship. Z, this has been great. Hey, just on the way out, um, what are you hearing about Liv? I mean, uh, there are going to be some other big names that we might hear this week uh, no longer being members of the PGA Tour. Yeah, I think uh, you're definitely going to hear some recognizable names. I'd be shocked if you don't hear them. I don't think you're going to hear any recognizable names that are currently dominating on the PGA Tour. You're not going to hear Hovland, Scheffler, Shoffley, um anything like that you know you're going to hear guys that are either past their prime uh with name recognition or guys that are still not you know are still in their prime but you know 60th in the world 80th in the world stuff like that i i i don't see anybody inside the top 20 in the world uh even considering this at the moment and and you might even push that down a little what about brooks that's the name I'm curious because I don't know anything. I haven't heard a lot. He's been very, very kind of uh, all over the place. Yeah, said he hasn't even thought about it. Yeah, right. Yeah. The one thing we know about Brooks Kepka though, he's been open. He really doesn't care about golf, and he certainly doesn't care about PGA Tour events. He's told us that in the past. So if he goes to live, he'd be like, okay, well, you don't even like the PGA Tour. You've told us that. So – um, again, if he went, wouldn't surprise me. I haven't heard it. I've heard more names like Abraham Answer as a name. Uh, you know, Ricky Fowler. Um, you know, those types of names. Uh, not hearing anybody who has dominated the Winter Circle headlines, FedEx Cup over the last 12 months or so. All those guys are staying put. That's good. Where are you off to next? Uh, working the Travelers Championship from the home studio this week. So calling some golf from home. 
Uh, then I'm going to Ireland to shoot a Golf Talk Canada TV special. Nice. And then we hit the road for the rest of the year. I'll be in Detroit. I'll be in Wyndham. I'll be in Memphis for the first playoff event. It's going to be a crazy end of the season. Z-Man, listen, we really appreciate you making time. I know how busy you are. It was an amazing, amazing major championship. Can't wait for St. Andrews and uh, can't wait for your next visit with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. You be well. Thank you. Thanks, guys. We'll do it soon. Good stuff. There is the Z-Man, Mark Zacchino. You can follow him on Twitter at Z, that's Z-E-E, Man Golf. And, uh, of course, if you do have Sirius XM PGA Tour Radio, great way to keep up on the action if you're driving around over the course of the weekend. And Mark does just such a great job on that. All right, we got to get Remus back in here. We got to get to some horse picks and more. Hey, uh, by the way, I want to give a big shout out to the folks over at Clear Lake. Uh, the golf course, the beverage cart, absolutely elite selection. Was able to grab an ice cold 1919 on the course. Had a little, a few people mentioned the uh, what was going on with their friends at Little Brown Jug and Barry Trotts over the weekend as well. A uh, few things go better with a round of golf than an ice cold 1919. Of course, you can grab that summer variety pack for Little Brown Jug at your local beer store or down at Little Brown Jug. And we are going to be there Friday afternoon, 1 p.m to 3 p.m. If you got the afternoon off, come on out, hang out with us, enjoy a couple pints. Uh, it might be a great way to pregame for that big bomber game on Friday night as well. So Friday afternoon, 1 o'clock, WST Live at Little Brown Jug. And it wasn't just the 1919 in the uh, in the beverage cart. They also had the Canadian Club and Ginger, the ready-to-drink, drink of the summer, nice and easy. Get one of those in a slim can koozie, and you are set had a few of those so far this summer. If you haven't tried them, uh, you can get them at your local liquor marts or beer store. And don't forget, all month long, any Canadian's beer store, if you grab the uh, six-pack of Canadian Club of Ginger, you get a free Bomber Slim Can Koozie and be entered to win a Blue Bomber autographed jersey. All right, Remo, let's get to it. Um, we uh, we got to the cool bet lines in a minute and just touch on tonight's game. Uh, but it's time to make some picks for Assiniboia Downs. Live racing is back tonight. We're back on our regular schedule of Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday throughout the year, 7.30 p.m. post time. And if you missed the shows last week, today, tomorrow, and Wednesday, you'll have an opportunity to uh, make your selection for race number six. Uh, we'll be taking the top three people picking winners as well as a couple more random entrants to join us out world-famous prime rib dinner, your guest, great night of racing as well. So uh, we'll get to that. Remo, uh, uh, now you had the big week last week. I did not, but I'm looking to turn over a new leaf when we get to our selections today. I'm just looking at my scorecard here. So on last race day was Wednesday. Did you have any winners on Wednesday? I, I don't believe I did. I don't okay, believe I, I did. didn't. I, I never did an official recap. I didn't. I'll mark you down. So you've got a bit of a lead on me, but it's, it's we're, we're pretty neck and neck here, and there's a lot of time left. It's very early. It's very early. Yeah. All right, so let's get to our picks, and then we'll get to race six, and we'll give you the email to send in your selection and uh, enter, obviously, completely free to win. Uh, I know you're ready to go. Where, uh, where are you at with your selections tonight? Okay, let me just pull up my picks here. Sorry, I got I to gotta go double double computer but we have had to navigate some uh, technical issues here today and thanks everyone for sticking around it was tough when jeff was on my uh yeah my program crashed 
And I had to restart it, but thankfully everyone was still here and we were able to just pick up where we left off. And I don't know, Dave's video. You know, sometimes technology is weird, Huss, where you have no idea why it doesn't work after it's worked flawlessly every single time. And then you just like reboot it. And I'm sure it'll be. The beauty of the podcast problem. is if you're listening to the podcast, you didn't even know it happened. That's, I do edit it all out on the podcast. That is correct. Okay, I got my picks here now that I've talked about all that. And yeah, Jeff, you know, Jeff is at the lake and we uh, did some serious testing on which location in the house worked. He had the best uh, cell sig or Wi-Fi signal. So there was only that one hiccup and uh, the rest was fine. But yes, podcast people may not even realize. Okay, I'll start with my picks here. I'm starting race four. Let's bring it up. Hold on. Sorry, I got a lot going on here. There we go. Race four. I'm doing a Quinella, five dollars, two and seven. Brody's streak and gold special. Finish one, two in any order. And race five. I am picking my father's eyes, horse five to win. Uh, that's five. These are all five dollar bets. And on race seven. I am selecting horse six, truly and terrific, who I'm pretty sure we've picked before to win $5. And I will save my race six selection. All right. So I'm going to go <clears throat> to race one. We'll just throw, we'll try and get a win right off the bat in the first win. We're going to go Artesian Dancer, the favorite. We'll throw five on that one to win. That is rate, that is horse number five. Uh, now, in race number four, we'll do a little $5 Quinella, and we're going to take two horses, Brody's Streak, and number five, Outcome. So a 2-5 Quinella in race number four. And then we get to race number six. So, folks, here are your selections. You've got nine of them. Um, maybe grab a quick pen because uh, you can take some time. Obviously, you can go to hpibet.com to check out, <clears throat> excuse me, all of the opportunities to bet for Cinnaboy Downs as well as races around. You're looking at the uh, you're looking at the uh, HPI Bet um, screen right now if you're on YouTube. Uh, we've got nine horses. The early favorite, number one, Kiki My Star. Two is Phantom Power. Three, Inspiritus. Four, Special Inclusion. Five, I Am Iny. Six, Outclassed You. Seven, Hazy Winter. Eight, Wrathmeister. And number nine, Storm Kitten. All you have to do, folks, is pick <clears throat> a horse from one to nine. Email your entry into Sherry G. That's S-H-E-R-I-G at asdowns.com. Get those emails in if you're listening on the podcast just before the uh, the races go tonight. Um, and again, we'll give you a bit of an update. I know we had a few winners last week. But again, if you haven't, if you missed last week for some reason, don't worry about it. We'll also be picking some random winners from everybody that enters. So just make sure you get your name, your phone number in on that email and pick your horse for tonight's race number six. Uh, Remo, where are you going on race number six? Here is my race six it is and you pronounce this differently than i thought it was it is i am you wrote i am Iny. is that what it is i don't know i am Iny or i, I am thought, ain i thought it was i am ain or i am ain 
I think it's a Pearl Jam song, right? I am mine. Isn't that a Pearl Jam song? But this is Ain't for Ain. Anyway, well, I I'm, could have just butched it. We'll we'll refer to the experts. Kirk well, when I, he'll when have I, it. You can check it on on AS Downs tonight. When I watch it on YouTube tonight, I will I will report back. That is my pick at eight to one. A bit of a long shot. These, I will say, these nine horse, you know, races. I feel like it's anyone's game. You don't really see the favorites come out with these on these big fields. So I'm going with this one. No, you're right. All right, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with number three in Spiritus for mm -hmm. the win. And I'm actually, because I've got a little bit of extra cake, I'm going to go with the, this is a big race. I'm going to try and get a little triactor action in here. So I'm going to go one, three, five. The one, three, five uh, triactor as well. So I'll do a $1 triactor wheel on that, and then I'll put four to win. So there you go. I'm on number three in Spiritus. Remus is on number five. I am Aine or I am Ain. Not sure whether we're pronouncing it right. Uh, but one to nine, pick your favorite horse. Send an email into Sherry G at asdowns.com. And uh, after Wednesday's action, we'll let you know who the top picker was, as well as some of the other winners. And then we'll uh, set a day up probably in a week or two where we'll have our guests out. Everyone that won will be able to bring a guest as well. You can chow down on that world-famous Prime Rib Buffet and have a great night at the races. Um, good stuff, and uh, you know it's actually not too bad. We'll see whether the weather comes tonight and what it uh, what it's like. But again, if you're not making it out for live racing, you can always watch it online at the AS Downs YouTube channel. All right, let's get to uh, the cool bet lines for tonight because we do have Game 3 of the Cup Final. And Remo, I can't say that I'm surprised, but this game is a dead pick'em. Colorado minus 106, Tampa minus 106. Take your pick as to who wins. Will we have a three-nothing series lead and a potential very short series, or does Tampa get off the map and uh, off the mat and win? I'm sort of with Dave. I'm not counting them out. But they sure look pretty dead on Saturday night against the uh, Avalanches. They got absolutely pounded in Denver. Yeah, that's why I, I saw earlier. Lightning were you know bigger favorites. I think it was like minus one fifteen. So I would be yeah, take just take Colorado based on the math there. So I would take Colorado here. Although there are some injury news. I think Berkovsky's day to day. Kadri's still not playing. Braden Point, uh, he did play, but now is back to being day to day. But some of these goals, us. I mean, you have like Josh Manson and uh, Kale McCarr, and there's another one. They just walk in, just beat Vasilevsky on these long shots. That's what shocked me the most about some of those goals. Everything's going Colorado's way. They're so good at passing, so fast. It seems like this is Colorado's to lose now. So I'm on the Colorado train here. If you tonight. think if you think Vasilevsky's going to do his usual huge bounce back, it yes. certainly didn't happen in game number two. Uh, under two and a half goals for the Avalanches, uh, plus 120. Uh, the total over under for the game in regulation is five and a half, which is interesting considering the amount of scoring that Colorado's done. I do think it'll look a little different when things get back there. Now, here's just a little a bit. This is interesting. And we'll, Remo, hit the, um, hit the series line if you could. <clears throat> so the series line right now, Avalanche minus 526. And the Tampa Bay Lightning plus 380. But if you go down, you could also see the correct series result in the best of seven. 
if you, for some reason, are thinking that you think Tampa is going to come back and win this series, you're much better off to split your bet between away 4-2 and away 4-3 than take the plus 380. Essentially, if you put $100 on Tampa right now to win the series at plus 380, your 100 would win you 380, so it would return 480. The other option, what you could do, would be to put $50 on Tampa to win 4-3 at plus 850 and $50 on Tampa to win 4-2 at plus 1700. Um, essentially, just the way of kind of like looking at some of the lines that are available, if you split that bet, the only way Tampa can win this series is to win either 4-2 or 4-3. So by my calculations, the $50 bet at plus 850 would be pretty darn close to what that plus 380 pays out. And if for some reason they did to Colorado, I'm not expecting it, but what they did to the Rangers and win four in a row, all of a sudden that $50 is getting times by 17. Yeah. So uh, some some interesting options right now as we get down to the final stroke. Yeah, it's gambling arbitrage. Gambling arbitrage right there, Hester. You're just basically That's teaching right. a finance course. <clears throat> right now way to go i didn't know i didn't i didn't know what that was but you're right i mean it's just a matter of manipulating your bet a little bit better um major league baseball tonight as we mentioned jays fans getting together over at boston pizza polo park and the jays are a minus 128 favorite over the chicago white Sox. white Sox plus 105 at home speaking of the jays room you see that crazy game yesterday against the yankees Finally, they salvaged something out of that series. Man, that Yanks team is good. I did. The Yankees, they got the big bats. Everyone seems to be going. I keep hearing about Matt Carpenter. I forgot he was still in the league, but uh, the Jays were down. You thought, oh, man, what a horrible series this is. And the bats woke up. Uh, what a wild, wild finish. I was like, oh, my God. It's 10, what, 10-8, uh, and then it was 10-9. Um crazy amount of runs loves you know following the baseball sunday afternoon i'm in i'm in a couple fantasy leagues so you know it always goes down to the wire on on the head-to-head fantasy sunday so i was keeping an eye uh on that game so uh, nice to see the jays get on the board quick look at the uh, cfl lines for the upcoming week uh thursday's game saskatchewan at montreal saskatchewan is two and a half point road favorites the Bombers have opened up as five-point favorites at home against the Hamilton Tiger Cats for Friday's game. The Elks and Stampeders Battle of Alberta, Saturday, 6 p.m. Calgary, seven-and-a-half-point favorites against the Windless Elks. And the BC Lions, three-point favorites against the Toronto Argonauts in that game. You know what I was just realizing, Reem, too? Next weekend... The Canada Day long weekend, the Bombers are actually playing Monday night football. They week are. four against the Toronto Argonauts. A Monday nighter coming up a, a week Monday. Okay, I'll give you my quick uh, CFL takes from the weekend. Montreal, who's playing quarterback for them this week? Is it Trevor Harris or is it Vernon Adams? Uh, I'd probably lean Saskatchewan there. I think a Bombers minus five. That seems too little against this Hamilton team, although not like the Bombers have impressed. Although huge loss. For Hamilton after a terrible week one. I don't know, but I thought just when I'm like ready to mail in my Bo Levi is done, takes put in Jake Mayer. He actually makes that comeback and they win an overtime. Incredible. Uh, I'm still not so sure about Calgary. Edmonton almost covered, but then they really uh, blew it at the end of the game. I don't think they're they as bad. They were up with five minutes left. Yeah, I don't think they're as bad 
as uh, you think they are based based on their week one game. They played Saskatchewan much closer at home. Uh, how about that catch by Kenny Lawler? I can't believe he got a foot down. <laughs> Going, climbing the ladder for that one. I think BC is going to smash here after the bye. Minus three. That seems too little. I, I like BC. I'd lock in BC Winnipeg uh, early here if you think it's going to go up. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the Hamilton situation is interesting. And, and I was, I mean, as I said, I was out at the lake at a buddy's cabin that did not have the cable set up. So I was listening to the first half of the Hamilton Calgary game and it was 24 to three. I'm like, all right, well, that one's pretty much done. And then we went and watched the hockey, which we had on a phone. And I just checked the, the feed later on. And I saw someone tweeting, Hey, if you're all over Bo Levi Mitchell in the first half, you better be giving him his props now. And I'm like, what the hell happened? And then realized they came back and won it in overtime. So, uh, the West so far, sort of funny. We talked about all the parody in the East and how, you know, we'll see what's happening with the West right now. The standings are somewhat familiar to what we've been used to for a long time in the Canadian Football League. The West, Sask 2-0, Bombers 2-0, Calgary 2-0, BC 1-0. And the Argos, with that win over Montreal, the only win in the East Division so far, Ottawa, Hamilton, and Montreal, all 0-2 so far on the season. Although I do think they'll win more games than we've seen in the last few years, Reem. Yeah, and shout out to, yeah, I think Ottawa's a much better team. They played the Bombers pretty tight there, but shout out to Three Down Nation, who for some reason, I don't know why, had Saskatchewan on top of their power rankings after week one. Like, what the, what the on, H man. was that? But uh, they seem to Saskatchewan come... Rough Riders, week two yeah. champions of the CFL. Raise the banner. Seem to have come to their senses and put the Bombers at the number one spot at their power rankings. How do you... I do not. Although it does say their defense have given up a league worst 355.5 passing yards per game. But as we said, when it comes into the red zone, uh, they can't score. Points. They can't score. Uh, pretty. So I think there are some Bomber fans who are nervous. Hey, you'll take the 2-0. I mean, good teams find a way to win, and they certainly have. And they've overcome a couple mixed extra, missed extra points that could have been very crucial. And your eye on the kicking game is going to be there, you know, will it be the whole season? I don't know. Well, lots of us to uh, to get to. We'll be talking much more Bombers coming up this week. Again, Bombers, Ticats, Friday nights, the whiteout game. Yes. Very interested to see how that's going to work. I mean, everyone wears blue to blue Bomber games. I mean, how many people will jump on the whites? And the Bombers will be wearing the whites in that game, which they don't very often at uh, on home field. Yeah, you know why? Because uh, they wore white when they beat the Ticats in the Grey Cup, and they're playing. Who are they playing on Friday? The Ticats. We never really went over this. Do you want to give your ratings on the Bombers uniform lineup? Uh, Darren, okay, Darren retweeted this from the Bombers, and Paul Friesen goes, that's not news. I'm going to disagree. This is really important news. What uniforms they're going to be wearing when. I want to know this. Okay, so it is the white uni for the game on Friday. Listen, I like the blue way better than the white. I'm not going to. uh, I I agree. I I mean, I I, I love the Bomber unis, but I'll tell you what. I can't wait for the Banjo Bowl and the game in August against Montreal with the, uh, the new jerseys. I was one of the people that liked the Minecraft jerseys. You recall, I wore one for a good couple of seasons with the W on the front and the Seven. weird. Like, I kind of like those a little different. No, um, those were good. Tell if, you what. Those were good if they were Argos jerseys. That wasn't bomber colors. Blue? Yeah, blue. You're right. Wasn't the not, right not shade. Not bombers. Wasn't the right shade of blue. Come on. Everyone knows it. Didn't have gold. 
people wasn't bomber colored complain about everything um i'll say this though i saw a ton of people wearing the new jersey at the game last week and they are sharp they are so sharp and it's even cooler knowing that the two stripes represent the last two great cups so I've everyone knows we've seen quite 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 a few of those and other than those two games with the alternate jersey and the white jerseys this week it's the usual best unis in the cfl for bomber home games I like that they're going color rush to uh, blue jersey, blue pants. What if they but they have gold helmets? They used to have gold helmet. I mean, blue helmets, didn't they? I wonder if they'd ever bring back a, a blue helmet. Although it's probably too hard to have alternate helmets. But nobody wants a blue helmet. It's why blue and gold. Well, have a blue if you're if you're gonna go all blue, like color rush blue, blue jersey, blue pants. Put in a blue helmet. You two seconds ago, you were just complaining that there was no gold on the Minecraft jersey. <laughs> I never Literally, said, like I don't. It was not that. 15 seconds ago that you said that, and now are promoting a blue helmet. I never said that. <laughs> there is gold, anyways. The gold is on the striping of the two stripes for the two great back-to-back great cup. Holy <laughs> God! Well, as I said, if you do have a white one, get it ready for Friday night. It should be a good one. We'll see if the Bombers can get to three and zero. Hoping to have Greg Ellingson pop in the program this week. We'll in on that potentially even tomorrow we're going to work on that with dc uh of course we'll probably hook up with eddie tate darren bombing uh, maybe one of the three down guys before friday afternoon and again friday afternoon folks if you can join us down at little brown jug in the exchange on william avenue we'll be doing the show live from one o'clock to 3 p.m and then getting a little pre-gaming in for those of you that are heading off to the game just about the Friday show, Pat was asking in chat if we will have any merch available. We do have some uh, hoodies and some other stuff on our website. So uh, go to winnipegsportstock.com, click on store. And if you buy it and select pick up, you know, what on location, you can just pick it up there. You don't have to exchange any money with us. It'll just be, we'll have it ready for you. So Yeah, perfect. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, go to the store. WinnipegSportsTalk.com, click on store, click whatever you want. And then um, if, we, uh, if we're able to, I guess some t- some stuff does get shipped. Is that right, Remo? Or do we have I mean, if you want to sh- if you want to ship it, you can. But if you want to pick up, just hit pick up. Okay, sounds good. So we can do that. And again, if you got any questions, just hit us up with an email at WinnipegSportsTalk at gmail.com. Uh, great show to kick off the week again awesome weekend uh, we've got a big game tonight tomorrow we'll break down game three of the stanley cup final hoping to have chris nyland join us as well he's getting into the podcast game that should be fun mike mcintyre asd picks and more eric fair is going to join us a little later on this week as well and hoping to have steve coolius uh and then of course friday's show we mentioned we'll be down at little brown jug and hopefully we'll have a few friends join us in person not Thanks again to everyone that joined us, Mark Zacchino, Dave Poulin, and of course, Jeff Hamilton, and everyone that made us a part of your day. If you're with us on YouTube, make sure you've hit that red subscribe button. Tell a friend about WST, and we'll see you tomorrow at 1 o'clock p.m. right here on Winnipeg Sports Talk on YouTube. Oh, my God! Oh! Shut it down! Let's go Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.